to pay back their graduate school money or whatever. They don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These guys all have the same degree as you. No, they have uh, inferior degrees since we're not <laughs> recording because they're a bunch of hacks. Psychology is a hack. Oh, the podcast has already started. Oh, has it? Welcome back to the show. Yeah, well, I'll actually publicly say psychologists are trash most of the time. Like, easily, easily. What are you talking about? But what about what about Jordan Peterson? Uh, also trashed, but you know, <laughs> shots I mean, fired. Shots definitely fired. Listen, shots it's fired. It's messy, and you're pretending it's not messy. That's what I don't. That's like. true. He's you think he pretends it's not messy. Not as much as he used to. Like the whole five personality traits, and like if I every time I listen to Jordan Peterson podcast or talk, it's like. I'm going to hear about these five personality characteristics and temperament and consent, conscientiousness. And I just, I just know those are coming out of his mouth. And you right? don't think those are valid? No, categories? they're valid categories. But like anytime you do stuff like that, you're drawing, like they drew those categories. Mm. Right. And so they're very like, like the way you would think about it, like in a data structure sense, like it's very exponentially driven. Like it's not clean data. Mm. So I can do all this modeling with clean data. Like that makes a good bell curve. But if I don't have a bell curve type of system, I think a height as a bell curve system and think of income as like an exponential system. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's not quite that way. It's just like those things are so messy that you can't like when you start deriving what predictions off them, it's going to break in like one second, Mm. which it does Mm -hmm. every time. So like predicting someone's conscientiousness or something like that. Like they're going to give it a score and then they'll try to predict their behavior off of it. Mm. But I would, I would say there's probably more correlation than causation going on in these these different ways. Again, it's like how they drew the lines. Like right. we we did this body of work, and they got to do something. Like the <laughs> like the DSM five, where it was called, it's like though this huge body of like mental health and psychological work. But a lot of things just don't have biomarkers to them, so you mm-hmm. can't actually measure them in sense of like material. Mm-hmm. You can measure it in terms of like frequency or behavior. So like say your kid goes to get autism diagnosed or whatever, they're going to measure it on behavioral things. Not like, oh, I did a brain scan and there's the hot, like that's not how it works. Hmm. You know, it's all, it's all like, oh, is this kind of close enough to the category? Which, you know, that's why they go with the whole spectrum route. Like, where are you on the spectrum? Hmm. Right. Because if it's a spectrum, then we're all on it. And then you can right. always be right. Right. And you can also yeah, always yeah, be right. Because right. it's just fuzzy. That's what I mean. It's like a fuzzy thing to do. It's like, well, women have this or men have this. And like, it's just a, it's just a, similar to like what they do in biology. Like, this is our category. This is a category right. where... We're not we're recording because it's good shit. I'm yeah, just, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And yeah. fundamentally, like the the man and woman distinction is pre language. So this is what I, this is what I would say. Like like your vision, your brain is set up for spatial kind of processing. I mean, language is an encoding of that con- like the concept, right? So the language is secondary to the to the reality. So but you take postmodern people or all these people that are really into this dialectic language games and what means what. That's where that all that breaks down. So what is a woman, right? The latest trend. It's like, well, a woman's so fundamental to human knowledge that we made up words to call it that. We know what it is. Right. Right. But so we don't have language for it per se. Right. Well, we do have language for it, but like you can that's when you start manipulating. Well, okay, you, that's a woman. So let's talk about all the characters. Let me break these into the components. Right. And then say, well, this is a component of woman. This is not. But some of those components are just human components, hmm. which is where they get around drawing this line instead of this line. Well, actually, a woman has all these things. Right. It's a female penis or whatever the shit they come up with. Right. Well, and that's why it gets so difficult to have the conversation about like women in sports and other sorts of characteristics. Because you're like, well, everybody has different characteristics. So, yeah, yeah to steal man the left right there. Their argument is like. You know, you got guys who are incredibly gifted and they're mm-hmm. in, the, in the and they're in the NBA. Right. And they have a genetic advantage over people who aren't, right? And so they're like, there is, 
we we allow for that. Why don't we allow for trans men in women's sports in this or trans women in women's sports? Um, because there's women. a biological advantage. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a bio, it, yeah. there might be a biological advantage. We maybe we can agree with that. But you know, we allow in some situations than others. We don't want any categories to exist. Yeah, I think right. the issue also became like everything got really identity based, mm. and like I have a different perspective of identity. But like you're talking about. Like people say, oh, this is what I am. I'm a whatever. I'm a firefighter or whatever the version of that story. Like I'm a black man. I'm a whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So this is my identity. And, but that's not exactly how identity really was thought about. Not even that long ago. It's really relationship. Like I'm a father because I have a son mm -hmm. and a child, right? It's like, there's a, there's a fundamental reality that's, and then I'm describing who I am in relation to that thing. Mm -hmm. and as far as like man and woman, like you just are that. And if you, like you say, people say they're born in the wrong body. Like, well, it wouldn't be you if you weren't in that body. Like, mm -hmm. that's who you are. Mm -hmm. Like, this is who you are. You're, you're this way, right? That doesn't mean like the characteristics of manly men need to apply to you, right? But you're still, that's just who you are. Right. You're, you're a guy who might, might have more characteristics overlapped in what is feminine in our culture. Again, it's all, everything's contextual, like, like the time, sign of times, everything else. Like, I, you know. I have a question. Yeah. So you know how Alex Jones said that they were turning the frogs gay? Yeah. Uh, and there's actually like, is it astrazine? Is that the chemical that can actually no biologically way. change? Is like changing frogs if you submerge them in it or expose them to enough of it will make them into a viable female frog, a male frog mm. into a viable female frog. It's like the mechanism to do it. It's yeah. From that drug it, That, that yeah. chemical just somehow changes the DNA structure. If at some point technology gets to the point, CRISPR say, gets to mm. the point where it can turn a biological male into a biological female does that count well no, that's, i would i wouldn't i wouldn't call it as a material only like if you go to material only and that's how you define it then yeah you could do that so you're looking at it more holistically and more just holistically like, right you know the material your DNA is part says, of you right because your because your consciousness where's that fit in right where's that in you like you have one <laughs> right but, but is, i i'm having a lot of trouble like identifying exactly where that lives i know if i sever these brain connections that you'll go dark to me but i don't know what that's like again like it goes into like a like thomas nagel land like what like what is it how do you know what it's like to be somebody who's not conscious to you mm. how do you know what it's like to be a bat how do you know what it's like to be a cat like we just don't have access to that perception like we just don't have it mm. so i don't know if that helps or makes it more convoluted well i mean i it, i think it's i think it's really interesting because you know part of that conscious part i think is what a lot of the transgender community cites when they say, I mm. don't feel like right. um, a male or a female. I feel like this ambiguous different thing or the opposite or whatever. And so, yeah, maybe it, maybe it makes it more confusing. I'm not sure, but kind of fascinating. Cause I feel like the biological piece is the bedrock piece. That's that part we can, cause we can measure like, with numbers. That's what people like is the numbers. Right. right. But that's not the only thing you measure with, with that. And like, sometimes you're measuring things that we, we just don't understand a lot too. Like what? What would you definitely understand? X Y chromosome. That's pretty basic. And then you got the little space where you know you got anomalies in some births that do happen. Double X Y. So that's very small, mm -hmm. which is never who like that would be cited in legisl for legislation reasons because there is these people and they do need help. Mm -hmm. And you don't want them to get caught in the court system or wherever else. I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not in charge of medical law. But you know, when they do these cutouts, like Montana just passed their bans. Like their cutouts are for those types of people that are in that weird space where it's a, it's a basically a pathology or what mm -hmm. we would consider a pathology. Like a medical anomaly. Like yeah. It's a medical anomaly. Yeah. There's well, a space between what you're saying, like the material where you have like a 
particular genetic expression mm -hmm. and like your psychology, which is like the way you experience the world, right? So that subjective experience of the world, no one else can get a window into. So when it says, I feel like this, yeah. there's no way to confirm that. Yeah, they can't mind so, read. Yeah. So I think, I think what the left says is they're, they're saying, this is, there's no way to confirm that. So we should bias ourselves and bias our institutions to acknowledging their right to the, the, the fact that no one can know that. So therefore we should treat them the way they feel, which there's like, I think there's in general in there, there's like politeness, right? Someone's like, Hey, call me Zeke. Now I'm, I was Zach, but now I want to be called Zeke. So you're like, you're, you know, nickname sure. and stuff like that. Yeah. But then with pronouns, it, it kind of exists in that space. The question is just how far does that go before like the legislation kicks in, which is like other people's kids or even your own kids. Where do you go to the point where that is, a violation that the state needs to step into. Uh, that's that's where the whole debate, I think, should be happening. Right. It's not yeah. about what you're doing individually. It's about are the systems indoctrinating uh, people into a system that they wouldn't otherwise individually, independently choose to be a part of. Right. And right. the media has done a terrible job at that, right? Especially with the Montana legislation where it's pretty much been like, this bans people from saying they, them pronouns or something like that, right? right. They, they just have done a bad job about what's actually in the legislation when is the state what is what is the even the discussion well their I mean, interest isn't good to job create clarity i'm oh, sorry you say call it a bad job like i'll call it they're doing a good job because they want an outcome and this is going to get them closer to it so if you're going mm. from that reference standard like they're doing pretty damn good yeah they're getting their shit done yeah. they can con they conflate and convolute and like oh see look at these dumb redneck trump supporters in montana i mean that's the narrative mm. right right so yeah, like, exactly so but it's it's odd to me, like you got Montana, where it's like, oh, like you are not allowed to do any of this stuff. Like I don't care if your parents want to do it. Like you're just not allowed to to basically sterilize children under eighteen. Don't get me started. I'm going to find King George's place, right? <laughs> and then you got a place like Washington, where it's like, well, actually, at a certain age, even under eighteen, it's none of the parents' business if we transition. Like that is crazy to me. Not only the difference between those two, but also that like in Washington, like how do you live in Washington as a parent? Where you have plenty, like this happens all the, like it happens more than zero. I know people, I'm sure you guys know people where there's these groups that they set up in the school and they bring the kids in because especially probably during the end of school, during June, like this is the month to recognize this. And then they just go to work on them. Right. And again, like the identity, like how you identify like that word, like what does identity mean? Mm. Like, who are you? Like, are you like, like take somebody like my, my potential 13 year old son in Washington. Right. Let's just hypothetical this like oh are you just going to be are you just a white male hetero whatever is that who you're going to be that awful thing mm. right because after i propagandize you with all the awful things i know none of the good things can go through there <laughs> but again like the whole identity of what your material makeup is stupid anyway it's a right. again it's a relationship thing to me like i'm your friend mm -hmm. right that's my identity right now right. in some ways right and so, i also have these things let's back know. up real quick so your your theory of identity is that it's 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 fundamentally relational yeah it's yourself, a web of relationships and where you sit in it yeah, yeah yourself yeah. implies an other and your mm -hmm. other actually informs yourselves like identity yeah right yeah. so if if you're kind of starting there then you're like well i express this way to the world and i am this way and i think that's where i think some of the rights criticisms of the trans movement might start to make sense in this sense you have um boys who are more feminine maybe gay and then being told that they're actually a girl and then being expected to be able to navigate that before they really have that full information of self, like where their, their referential is just like, well, you're a more feminine boy. So you might be a girl where, you know, 10 years ago, yeah. we would have said, maybe you're gay. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're just yeah. a feminine guy. You know, so, like maybe you're metrosexual. We had categories for this. We don't talk about anymore. And this is where jail needs to come in. And I say it for the doctors and everybody pushing this stuff, because not only are you doing that in the way that's very, 
negative, like imagine saddling a 16-year-old with all the college debt. We already complained about 18-year-olds walking to that. We think that's almost immoral in itself. Mm. Certainly for a 16-year-old, we think that, mm -hmm. right? But we're going to allow you to sterilize yourself because there is no going back. I don't care who the hell with what fucking medical degree they have says some shit like that. They are full of it, right? Those are the people that go to jail first. <laughs> who is on record saying stupid things like that? Mm. And you're the first one in the tribunal because that's crazy. Mm. Like you're literally sterilizing children in a very confusing time of their lives based on what? Mm. What? What's, what you think is good? How you speak back to the feel, how you feel things should be. Well, how you feel things should be versus how we all feel things should be. That's just not the same. Mm. And we live in a community, so we got to figure this out. But yeah, to me, like the whole, that's just, it's unconscionable to me. What like that, like crossing into that realm. I barely like it for adults, mm. but I'm also, you know, you're good luck telling adults what to do all the time. Yeah. Well, right? I, mean, I mean, you put all the laws in the books you want, so I'm still going to do some things. If you are a small business owner looking for exponential growth, you have to connect with Adam Thune at Intellectual Patriots. He will revolutionize your business game and help you get to the next level. Adam can streamline your business practices and advertising strategies to improve your bottom line. His expertise in data engineering means he can build you the systems you need to collect and analyze market data. His mission is to provide you with invaluable insights to fuel your success. From grant writing and business proposals to digital systems integrations, even AI management, Intellectual Patriots is a one-stop shop for cutting-edge solutions. Don't wait another second. Visit intelpatriots.com to learn more. That's I-N-T-E-L patriots.com. Right. Of course. Right. Well, additionally, though, like if you're, if you're saying like an adult can't say, I get the risks and I'm going to take the risks, right? If you can't do that, you're not in a free country anymore, right? But right. the question is, is when can the state step in on behalf of a child and say, you're not capable yet of making the decision, this decision? Well, I like the analogy about the leg thing where people are like, well, if I want to walk in and sit to a dock, I don't think I should have a leg. So I want you to cut this off. Like most states actually have the laws on this already, I think. And there is a pathology that people have like, oh, I'm not going to remove healthy tissue that works. Mm. Right. And that's true for a lot of things. Like, I, like I've had a couple organs removed during surgery. Like it's not because they worked. It's <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you know what? I don't want my spleen gone today because I'm just, I just identify as asplenic today. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, and it, plus it's, it's, I mean, the risks are, I mean, you talk about COVID vax risks, like that's a different tangent, but it's, it's in the realm. Like you have no idea what you're doing. This has not been around that long. You are blasting people with other hormones. Like, mm. I don't know what will happen. You're going to get cancer. You're going to get the thousands of things and you won't be able to tell for a long time too because you know we have all our cancer rates are up our mental health issues are up but it's just like there's so like what am i saying there's so many ways that that happens in society i definitely think this is going to be a cause of some of those other like actual medical problems later mm. and it'll be one of those things like not as bad as smoking but pretty close like oh it turns out we should have easily saw this coming. You stick a bunch of tar in your fucking lungs. It's going right. to not like it. Right. right. So well, I think, you know, the, the hard question here is, because, you know, you mentioned these, these doctors that are doing these surgeries. They're taking a certain subjective view of, of what harm is, right? Like the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm, is, has been the underpinning of the medical profession for, I mean, as long as there's been a medical profession. Sure. And, but now it, the definition of harm is sort of, it's nebulous because yeah, there's switched. psychological harm and there's all these other things. And so I think the, the big question really is like, like you said, you know, we are not in a place to know what the long-term ramifications are. And so are we going to look back on this in 20 or 50 years and go, wow, like we had a really, you know, it was like that, that was like the bloodletting of our generation. Like sure. maybe, you know, maybe we look back on it and go, 
oh, well, like there were some side effects and we didn't know, but like, you know, the, I think that's, that's the big question is like, what's going to happen long-term. And, and the problem I think is that there's not an objective, um, there's not an objective story around this. They're, like the kids that are walking into this and coming out of it and detransitioning aren't getting both sides of the story. They're not getting the rewards and the risks because this agenda is being pushed. It's not objective. And even if they did, are you going to let your 16 year old just weigh the pros and cons and make a decision? You know well, I mean? Like how I personally how don't think that that, I mean, we have, yeah. we have these like, you know, agency rules around yeah. signing contracts and things of that nature. We have, you know, you know, you're a minor until you're 18 or maybe it should be older than that. But oh. right now, you know, that's what it is. Like we have those rules for a reason because young people aren't mentally capable of looking around certain corners. They don't have all of the, the you know, brain development done yet that yeah. would give them more tools to say, yeah. is this really what I want? So no, I don't. I don't hey, you're so. not an adult. You're good at dying and sent to war. That's basically the truth, right? That's the law. Like, can you go to war? Mm. Yes. Adult, right? That's what we did. Mm. Anybody dispute that's not the rule? No. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the second you can go to war, adult, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what they made it. So that's unless, a different unless you're, unless you're buying alcohol or doing a bunch that's of stuff. That's true. And then, 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 you, then you got this little different time frame. <laughs> well, you can buy tobacco, right? Right. right. Like, but that, no, now you can't. Not, not anymore. A bunch of states are are removing tobacco till twenty one. Yeah. I mean, I'm not backing it up. I mean, but I'm not gonna, voting. Got to got to keep voting. All yeah. Way speaking of boomer, I'm going to be like, <laughs> well, I'm really glad that I made it through and I did some smoking of tobacco and maybe drinking underage and all these other things or drinking at twenty one. But now that I'm older and I got all my degrees, actually, I think most people should wait till twenty seven before they engage. <laughs> and I actually, do believe that. But how do you make that like that law switch? That's a little different. Yeah, Again, yeah. if you can go die, they're going to send you to go die. Mm-hmm. Like so, you take a little peyote on your way out. Like, am I going to be mad at you for that? If that's what they're going to do, <laughs> they're going to send you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If we're all over the place. <laughs> well, but, but a, to your to your point, like yeah. the problem. You said, what's the problem? I said, what the problem is is Plato. So the problem with but this is Plato, like the the whole the body's the prison house of the soul, like that that mentality of this duality, like oh this is my this is my spiritual feeling self and this is my body. Somebody like myself says, well those are united and we can measure some things and we cannot measure some things. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you are your body and your consciousness. Like that is those are two components of you, right? And we don't want to diatribe at all the different ways you can describe that because there's been plenty over that. Th- the years but i think there, there's people that look at the world that way and there's people that don't look at it that way hmm. and so i think if you're in that dualistic way to think about it you can really rationalize why you should allow people to be who they feel like they are right because their soul is just trapped in that body their right? soul is trapped in that body that mentality of, but there's oh, also there's yeah. also the other the more material right your um atheistic right your consciousness is just an expression of the chemi- chemistry of your brain yeah, and it's, it's just emergent. an illusion, right? It's an emergent phenomenon of the emergent. brain. Yeah, I love that word. That's my favorite word. It's called magic. That's what I call it in science. Whenever somebody writes fucking emergent in a paper, I'm like, oh, you said magic happens, and then shit pops out. Like, give me a break with this stuff. But it's, but I mean, it's it's true. It's like a property that doesn't have a central cause. It's yeah. a property. It's, it's a, a higher. Property. It's a scale transformation. It's a higher scale. Right. Yeah. So like they're saying, it, the I think the thought experiment in that space for the trans issue is if you had a pill that would align your consciousness with your body. Would that be moral, right? So if you, so for example, your body has a particular expression of a chromosome. You take this pill. You were feeling like you had the opposite chromosome, but it aligns it. It says oh, this is actually what it is. I've actually heard this argument, and then changes, yeah. and then that would change your consciousness. So if that's the model, w- would that pill be wrong? 
Right. Or should the government force everyone who is in that position to take can the I, pill? Can I just clarify what you're saying? Yeah. So you're, you're suggesting or the question is, if there was a pill that could change your consciousness to reflect the biology, mm-hmm. would that be immoral? Right. Right. Would that be a problem? This is very hypothetical. But I would say before that, I think how it looks in real life mm-hmm. is like, say, Montana goes one step further and says, oh, if somebody's got gender dysmorphia and they want to change and they're a man trying to become a woman, I'm going to throw testosterone at them like there's no tomorrow. I'm going to go the other way. Mm. You know what I mean? So similar to what you're saying, but yeah. like instead of treating them with estrogen when they're not set up to get that, mm-hmm. you go the other way. Like, well, maybe we can work on you being okay with you because it is you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard RFK recently, <laughs> RFK Jr. say something to the effect of that he felt like uh, some component of this gender dysphoria conversation, the trans conversation was... Um, precipitated by chemical exposure. Did you guys hear that or see that? No. I thought it was really interesting because, I mean, there's a lot of talk right now about all the endocrine disruptors that are in all the plastics and all the liners of all the bottles and cans and, you know, in polyester in our clothes and in all the cleaning products and in in everything, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And we're just inundated with all these chemicals and it's causing some of these physiological changes like the astrazine and the frogs, you know, Mm -hmm. only on a a slight scale. So we had a a social experiment on that. How many kids from vegan households have gender dysmorphia? Kyle? (laughs) (laughs) Look it up, Kyle. More than zero. More than zero. (laughs) More than zero. (laughs) Well, I I would say like, you know, and obviously even you would expect it to be because it is both biochemical, as Adam's saying, I think, and then psychological, meaning like you could have all the biomarkers of a man, have all the typical testosterone levels and all these other things, but still have a experience of reality that pushes you that direction. And, or you can change your own mind towards that too. I I mean, like the human brain is incredibly malleable, right? Like you can change your mind about things. So if under the certain social pressure, wouldn't it be true that someone might, you know, decide for themselves that that's how they want to feel and therefore start feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. What did you, would you put to go back to the RFK part? Like, do you think it's more of that or the fact that especially lately, uh, it's been a complete info cannon all over everywhere, all the time we made a national month halt, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then how they're treated in, yeah. in the, as a protected class, which, you know, especially in contrast to other classes which are not protected which is getting smaller by the second <laughs> right like everyone's protected but you you know <laughs> so like but then then people have that and say they are the non-protected right like well i obviously can see and this goes to like economic like incentives like obviously my life's gonna be better if i just do it right right and now i have all these people around me and we're all a community kind of i guess yeah I mean, that's what they that's the language they use right oh absolutely well i so, think that's a huge component of it i mean i think you know, people want to belong from a very fundamental human place. We all need community evolutionarily to survive, right? And so if you feel disenfranchised from the broader population, if you feel different, if you feel weird, and maybe that part's driven by some chemical exposure to changes that occur through environmental stimuli, you want to feel attached to a group. And so you find the one that is welcoming to you. And and I think that's probably a part of what's happening. And it's being... Yeah. It's being very well, heavily, you know, pushed in the media. So if I had to say it, like, the both we'll go both angles on it. So let's take the the material chemical part. So, like, certainly some drugs and some neurotransmitters, whatever. Everybody kind of gets a general grasp of this. If I get X amount of drugs in my body, let's call it THC because it's an easy one. If I take THC, there's going to be a material effect on. I think it's the presynaptic neuron blocking the cannabinoid uptake receptor. 
That sounded sciencey enough, right? Yeah. So like, I believed it. <laughs> somebody looked that up. I'm not a weed scientist. Uh, can you say that one more time slowly? <laughs> Tell us about the vegans. Kyle. Yeah, the vegans. You're still on the vegan on task. <laughs> I'm switching cameras. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at vegans. Oh, you're I'm so busy it. back there. <laughs> no, but so so that like so it changes something about like to say the network. And I like there's I don't want to go too far into the weeds and maybe I couldn't even try it right now with my lexicon, but like it's the network that kind of like takes in the perception of stimuli and then then it bounces against your preconceived and all that stuff. So all that's wired in, let's say. Let's go completely material for a second, because that's what that's what science is, is all material basically. And it's like, okay, that's great. Uh that chemical can change that. And now you're getting new stimulus and now you're hitting against that chemically affected network. Well, what's fun or not fun, fun for me, because it's what I studied. So I studied the attention component of things and then how it interacted with value and probability in the visual cortex. So we did some experience like that. But attention is is very, is I would say when you use your attention, like you will um, allocate brain resources to those things. And so that will have its own effect. And the mo- most neuroscience research about what changes stuff is actually about how the neurons are firing and d- different stuff like that. There's a little bit of long-term uh, effects that happen, but also short-term effects and how the, the wiring goes. So as you're attending to a thing, it changes how you're going to perceive the next thing, if that is any way to say it. So as your duration, that's why I talk about the info canon, like as you're being inundated with all this stuff all the time, right? Not to mention all the social pressures. Again, your attention is on these things, mm. right? You will perceive things differently based on what you're attending to, right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. So if I'm attending to the LBG Pride Month or all this pride stuff all the time because, again, it's in my face, I'm in my school, it's everywhere, right? As I get new information, I'm gonna, it's going to change how I processed it from before that event, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to think about things a little bit differently yeah. right now. So both things change it. And I say, well, I would argue probably pretty strongly that the attention, it probably drives more than the chemical. Mm-hmm. But like all great science people, let me say, well, let me caveat that with, I'm sure it's both, some both, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I to conduct some ah, experiments. Really experiment. It's yeah, emerging. I, mean, I, some, some, I can write a grant <laughs> for that if the NIH wants to pay me money to prove that they're silly. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Somehow know. I think I'd be a tough sell, but, you know. Uh, they might not fund me. Might not. Yeah. But if I was in a protected class... <laughs> Well, and they you, might fund me. You are bald. You see the incentive so. problem. I know. I'm you bald. Are, I'm white. That just I'm, makes us look villainous. It's <laughs> not a. It's not a. That's, that's not true. A, right. <laughs> yeah, Lex Luthor. Yeah. Well, they, uh, which name a bald superhero? Try, try, sir. I can't. I know you're a bigger nerd than me. You would know if there was. <laughs> Professor X. That's it. And he's a bad guy too. So is he? Yeah. Oh yeah. He turns into a bad guy. Turns into onslaught. Kills the entire Marvel universe. What? Yeah. Spoiler I didn't, alert. I didn't make it that far. 90s Spoiler comics. alert. <laughs> <laughs> Professor X from X-Men? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Could you, oh. could you think of another one, though? There's like very few. Like, uh, I, I just looked up uh, top 10 bald heroes in Marvel. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, now he's on the ball. Oh, this was going okay. on. What do we got? <laughs> yeah, this one's a little bit easier. Right? Is it on baldguy.com? Because I don't trust that no, website. No, it's, Mar- it's on marvel.com. <laughs> Pro- it's all kind of propaganda, <laughs> Marvel- David. <laughs> exactly. Marvel.com had a whole article about bald superheroes. I like that we're getting out there. We need some more support. <laughs> we need our own interest group. That's yeah, really our do. problem, right? You I mean, need to do some lobbying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the gender lobby has it locked down. I mean, we got we got to catch up. Do we? No, you don't. You actually, you're not you're just getting cl- replaced in every single Disney movie. First off, That's you don't true. know what's like. Yeah, Ariel was the last one to go. <laughs> it's a sad, sad day. You don't know no what it's like heads. to be bald. 
I don't. So I don't think you should speak on but what I am, it's like to be I am, I am descendant. <laughs> hold on now. I am descendant from, from bald people, actually. My dad is very bald. Oh, so, oh. so, so I, I want to see the 23 and me. I, I don't no. trust you. I need to see the I evidence. I see family photos. <laughs> Joe's like, I have residual ancestral data. That's, That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> I, am, that. I am more more descended from bald than uh, Elizabeth Warren is descendant from uh, Native Americans. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Wow, we've well, gotten anyways. off to a really fun start. Yeah. Uh, not even close to on topic. If there is one, I don't know, but I, uh, it's been really, really fun conversation. Well, it's uh, Joe uh, or Adam's second time in the studio. Uh, our first oh. attempt was early on when we were just getting started and we had a technical malfunction, so we never would release it. We we're like, we've got to get you in. That was probably 10 episodes ago. So we're pumped to have you back, Adam, and uh, yeah. give us your take. Last time you were coming just back from Helena after yep. testifying for Defend the Guard. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't really get to cover Defend the Guard that much while the session was going on. So I just wanted to give a little bit of time so we could just pivot over to policy a little bit. Well, I guess we were talking policy, but yeah, a different 18, policy. 18, you can die. So yeah. now you're an adult. So let's go from there. There you yeah, go. Yeah, right. So yeah, tell us, <laughs> tell us about your experience, like testifying, Defend the Guard. Well, actually, let's start out. What's Defend the Guard and why did you go up there and go testify on it? So uh, Defend the Guard is a legislation. I'm going to give a quick, it's been a hot minute. Uh, basically, it says the state of Montana will not provide its resources for an unconstitutionally declared war overseas, if I got the one-liner right. So there was um, a good push for this in a couple states, Montana being one of them. I know uh, Leah McCollum did a lot of work uh, raising some ground stuff in that. I'm sure there's other people to mention that I don't know, but he was the guy that told me about it. And I had known Liam for a while. So um, yeah, a, a lot of veterans, you know, I think, um, for us, it, like, when I think about it for myself, if I'm allowed to do such things instead of getting the policy wonk land, it's like, for me, like, obviously a lot of, uh, foreign excursions, especially lately have been less about what they said originally and more about empire preservation, empire building in some ways. Right. And so that's not like, but that's not the narrative they give to you. They give to you, you're, you know, you're going to fight them over there so they don't come over here. You know, all these favorite Gotta stop lines. the next Hitler. Gotta stop the next Hitler, right? Gotta kill some Russians. Best money we ever spent. Stuff like that, right? So, like, <laughs> when, like... Damn. <laughs> that, that's a Lindsey Graham one-liner. Yeah, right yeah, there. yeah. Oh, did I throw that oh, in there? Yeah, 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 yeah. He just left it in there. It's just like, he's just gonna leave it hanging out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, leave it, it hanging. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, so they got you got the policy people making those... Like, that's what they... Either they think that way because the donors want them to do that or they actually think that way. Mm. And so, how many efforts do you have at somebody like me to even attempt to send a signal that we're kind of... We don't like this stuff. We're done with this stuff and... So I think a good signal is the veteran crew pushing against that kind of stuff. And this is the way, this is an avenue to do it, Hmm. right? Uh, As far as like the actual testifying and listening to stuff, honestly, a little disheartening to see a couple of things. I'll tell you a couple of things that was disheartening. Uh, One of them was, it was clear that the people who were testifying on both pro and con size maybe had like there's people from all over. Like, do you think this is about Montana? No, there's people from outside of Montana that have a lot of power like this is they just do like i'm not going to deny their power and influence because they have it and they're doing it here with our legislature so i mean in lieu of a montana centric way you might have influences from outside and that includes the pentagon that includes like national organizations for vets and stuff like that and including from the pro side we got plenty of organizations that this is their mission they want to stop this from happening and this defend the guard is their mechanism to do it and they have different versions of different states so I didn't I didn't like that as much, but I get that that's that's just how it's worked for a really long time, 
right? It's the lobby network. So that that was a disheartening. A little other disheartening was listening to the pro testimony, right? Because it, it's all it goes back to all about money, right? If you do this, we won't get any money. It's like yes. So money should not, and probably never should, be a calculation in your morality. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. So like it always about the money, like, oh, they're not going to resource us. This is against, you know, whatever. Right. So listening to those kind of things and like, again, you're sitting with a legislative body and what are they caring about? Money mm. and a little bit of bills and a little bit of morality. So it's, mm. it's, it's that kind of environment. And then listening to, you know, it, the rhetoric and it's rhetoric, you know, they're going to say, and you can have a defense prepared for it, but it's going to work anyway. Mm. And it did. To be frank, uh, pass through the committee, and then you know, as time goes by, and they don't get that initial rush. Because the other thing is, like people who went up there to testify, like you leave work, like it's not easy to get there. Mm-hmm. And a one guy that came with me, I, actually, if I would known this, I would have told him to stay home, especially given the result. Like he lost money on a day's pay, and he's not like one of those guys that can just do that, mm-hmm. right? So he leaves his job for the day, comes up there to testify, right? When he's going against generals and like, you know, he put that one guy, right, used to serve, doesn't like what's going on, and then he's against the generals and all the people that have a vested interest in things not changing. What a Mm -hmm. surprise. They don't want him to change. Shock me to death, right? Mm -hmm. But to have him go up there and lose that money on that kind of cause and just, just, it's all in general. I'm not saying people shouldn't do that. Yeah. I'm just saying it's tough to see that. It's tough. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, like maybe, because it was always a long shot anyway. And so if that's what you have to give up to do that, then maybe don't do that or do it a different way because you could have yeah. signed some or wrote it in. But I will also say it's incredibly hard to like a written word from a, a guy nobody's ever heard of yeah, right. or a phone call or even a remote zoom in. Like I agree, like from a guy who's ever heard of yeah. versus the general of Montana. Mm-hmm. Like you need how many of those people to erase just his one rhetoric full of shit testimony and he gets to do on the clock he gets to do on the clock with people he probably has drinks with after this is over you know what i mean so it's just like man that's a that's a big hill right and if you're a citizen legislator sitting on a committee hearing this i mean you're you're speaking to someone who's very high up in the military there's a lot of that just you know authority and power and it it would be really hard to even in your heart know like well this is the right thing to do to pass this defend the guard legislation but to then stand in the face of that and say oh yeah we're going to do it. Well, I also noticed, and I don't. this is probably protocol too, so I'm not going to give too much, but I noticed because there's two different uniforms you can wear. You can wear the combat uniform, the regular uniform that kind of has been on standard since even like when the war started. Like, oh, you just wear your little camo fatigues that you would wear out on mission everywhere. But to this, they showed up in all their shiny shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's about like, so like that's part of it. Like why do they do that? Same reason. So when they message talks, like again, people don't, they, they've been associated with this is what's important. This is an important person and he is an important person uh, and he has a view and people always get into that appeal authority logic. Like, well, he's authority and he believes this, so he's probably right. And that could be true, but doesn't mean it has to be true. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's not true given what he said, because he just made up things about this has been a constitution. The Supreme Court has already decided this, which pretty sure has been debunked a million times by everybody who brings it up. Yes. Like, yeah. so it's just like those kind of things coming out of his mouth in the uniform, in real time, out the gate with the most time, mm. right? Compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's tough to fight that. Tough to fight that. Yeah. So, so it didn't pass. Obviously, it, nope. it had a couple chances, well, and it died it, in the but house. it did well. Yeah, yeah, it, right? it did well compared to other states that have introduced the legislation. And so, what are the what are the ongoing like positives of 
what Defend the Guard was able to do in this session. Well, actually, let me give one more thing, too. Sure. Almost no bill that's a brand new idea passes the first time it's tried in Montana legislature. He knows more about this than I do. I mean, know. almost ever, right? So because because it's a citizen legislature, I mean, like tons of bills that are really great will get introduced the first time. People are like, man, let's let it sit for two years. And then it gets vetted out more. The interest groups that are kind of behind the bill can like come together and either work out compromises or better define their differences. And then the second time around, that's when you really get a chance to to pass a bill. And so especially something with this much money on the line and this much change in value and this much of asking legislators to engage in the space that they're not used to, foreign policy, right? Yeah. These legislators do not sign up for that job. Like they're here because they're like, I don't like my property taxes or, you know, I want funding for the new library or something like that. The, 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 the incentives for being a local legislator is completely different than that. Right. So like, yeah, I'm, it, it was amazing that it got as far as it did from my perspective. Sorry, I didn't mean to totally. No, no, that's fine. I think you, I think you, you totally answered it. Um, so you think that that this session, what it was able to accomplish, is substantial and would have you know positive ramifications down the road if it were to come back up. Yeah, in in months. You can build in the interim, and they can build in the interim. That's the question, right? And is the is the interest groups that are opposed to it doing that work, or is the interest groups that are for it going to spend the next two years talking to legislators? lobbying them on the issue, educating them on the issue so that they can have a firmer grasp of the trade-offs. And, and there's a lot of work you can do too. Like if, if uh, what's the national group? It's just called Defend the Guard, right? Uh, Dan McKnight's outfit? Maybe. Don't yeah, know. I think no, so. Yeah, that's the national sure. group that's really pushing it. If they spend the interim saying, this is the actual budgetary implications and it's not as bad as it looks or uh, saying, no, this is actually, here's a brief on the actual Supreme Court case. So you can inoculate that right. attack. That's the best things you can do in between between sessions that really makes a difference in passing the bill the second go around. Can you clarify really quick if you know what the specific Supreme Court case was? Because it was not directly about oh, this. I looked it up at the very beginning of session I know and it wasn't directly related. It's not what you think it is. Uh, it had to do I, with- I have it right here. Okay. Um, I, I'm on the Defend of the Guard website, Defend the defendtheguard.us. There's tons of information here. But uh, yeah, so in, in 1990, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Congress may authorize members of the National Guard of the United States to be ordered to active federal duty for purposes of training outside the United States without either consent of a state governor or the mm-hmm. declaration of a national emergency. It was training. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, yeah gotcha. and, and I don't know combat. how long they've been doing it, but like every state, go, like state national, like National Guard, like just not really state guards, but their state, like Montana National Guard, has a partner country. That's how it's been going. I don't know how long. Like I went, like in 2014, I went with the Hawaiian National Guard to Indonesia to be their uh, civil affairs guy, which is a different story. But mm. like they, like these partnerships have been around, right? So I would wonder if that was protecting those because, mm. and if you think about it from a national perspective, if I could go there, if I could channel my foreign policy high level stuff, they're like, all right, well, we just made these agreements with these countries, and I don't need some fucking governor coming in and tanking years of work in the like that could disrupt peace yeah because you don't want to send them to a pre-agreed train like, you know what i mean so like yeah that i can see how that goes but when it comes to the war thing that's that's what i mean like they were talking about that was the war answer right 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 but i mean I, and i was telling this to liam too like like everything like you said it's basically a big long negotiation and really feeling out the legislature's which change so it's like doing a negotiation as as your parties are changing, <laughs> yeah. you know, because like, oh, I don't like this word in here. If you use a different word, I'd say yes. You know what I mean? Like you got all these different personalities in there. But if they would have passed it as it was, like there's there's still ways the government can get their, you know, what get their blood out of the turnip, right? They'd be like, all right, fine. You can't deploy in support of the new NATO war to Ukraine to really throw it 
concrete example. But what you can do is you can now be the Benning uh, training guard for all everyone. So mm-hmm. now you're in charge of Fort Benning and you're going to train people to go fight. Since you won't, mm. we're still going to deploy you in support of this effort in this way. Mm. And there's nothing that I saw in that legislation that would stop them from doing that. Yeah. Or train, are you going to go train to really uh, ice on the Supreme Court thing? Like, you're going to go train people in Poland. Mm. Yeah. You're not in a combat zone. I understand your trainees are about to go to combat, but that's not right. technically combat. So therefore, because of 1990s, you know what I mean? So yeah. you still do these things. Right. Right. So it's not like it was, again, that's what's more about the message of the entire holistic, which I think most people kind of understand. Yeah. Well, yeah. it wasn't the Fortress America bill. It wasn't yeah, saying yeah. you can't do anything with these forces. It was right. just saying you can't deploy them to undeclared Mm-hmm. illegal wars, right? I mean, from our constitutional interpretation, uh, you know, um, interpretation of the Constitution, we see these wars as being unconstitutional because they weren't declared by Congress. Congress can't just say, hey, President, you now have the right to, de- to deploy troops anywhere and everywhere you want to forever. That's delegating something that the Constitution delegates to the Congress. So you can't delegate away a power that's been delegated to you by the Constitution because that puts the act of the Congress above the Constitution, which is by definition in a constitutional republic, illegal. Right. Well, I mean, people so, don't care about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the Constitution is just a piece of paper. Yeah, you know, right. laws. Exactly. Are you talking about laws? <laughs> laws. Hey, I'm just saying ought right now. I'm not saying what it is. You're, you're correct on that. <laughs> <laughs> You've skewered me on that before. I'm like, but the Constitution, you're like, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, true. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's been since basically nuclear weapons, right? And like, I think that like if you, if you had to be charitable, like you're like, yeah, like that's going to happen fast. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't want to have to run through some things through Congress to like, if I need to surge people to tra- checkpoint Charlie from back in the day, mm. shout out to all the boomers still alive. Listen to this for some reason, or for you people who don't know checkpoint Charlie. It Hi, was mom. The, My mom's she, been to checkpoint Charlie. Really? Yeah. West and East Germany. Yeah. Not, uh, Google it. You'll be fine. I'm sure you get all, <laughs> but if, if I have to surge troops to checkpoint Charlie, during one of these escalations to the brink. Mm. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to go through Congress to get some shit done. You know what I mean? Right. But as comes, like some conflict is not like there's a one in the conflict box and a zero. It's a, it's a nice spectrum. Right. Right. And, well, and, the, and yeah. the constitutional way to do that would be to say that the, you know, pass a constitutional amendment that says the president can deploy troops defensively for a certain amount of days, like they did with the war powers act. And then, but do it, in a legal way rather than the illegal way. Right? I think the National yeah. Security Act was their version of that, so they didn't want to do the amendment thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, and, 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 and they got the wink and the nod from the judiciary. And that's yeah. that's really the the weakness, if you're going to criticize the Constitution. The weakness of the Constitution is mutual conspiracy between the elites in D.C. Uh, that would say, you know, hey, you could pass this thing. It's obviously not constitutional, but, you know, yeah. we all know we got to fight the Russians. Well, history is right. tricky, too, because like we, we're, we weren't alive, right? To me, Rome falling and 1950. I mean, they're in the same space of, <laughs> ne- I wasn't alive. Yeah, I don't know right. what I was doing. I wasn't riding my bike when 9-11 hit or whatever the fuck it is, right? Yeah. That, that you can do with some of the modern things. And so, like, uh, and again, who knows if this is even true? There's another fact about the meaning crisis we have. Like, well, why would... I believe this story versus the story that was buried for how long. But so like, let's take the Roman civil war thing. I'm going to go right to the point here. So Constantine wins, right? He wins, not Constantine, sorry. Uh, Augustus wins, right? Calls himself Caesar Augustus. And then he just lives for a really fucking long time. 
Like, I think he did it like 26. You can check me back there. But something like that, like in the early 20s, and he didn't die until he's like 70. We had 50 years to propagandize your populace about what the truth is, how we do business. Mm. So if you can get that far, like we're talking about, man, I really wish I wouldn't do this in the 50s. Well, it's been around so long mm. that now this just that's established whatever. This is how we do things. Right. Even though we shouldn't have did it that way, we did. Mm-hmm. And like we went through three, four generations already. Right. Now we're in our generation. We got we can't even decide who's a boy and a girl for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? <laughs> so how are we going to decide? <laughs> you know, <right? laughs> so, like, <laughs> no, I, I think I think you're right. There's there's like a, at, a, at a certain amount of point of just ignoring something. Yeah, uh, it can it just becomes part of the institution, right? So we 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 were working on school choice stuff. Uh, we just did an interview with uh, Trish, and there's a part of the Montana Constitution says that the the government cannot give any private person or business or charity or whatever their money unless they wholly control it. it says that in the Montana Constitution, Article Five, Section Ten, or something like that. And but that's like. The government does that all the time, right? Snap. Yeah. Uh, all the all yeah. the all the welfare programs do exactly that. The government gives you money so that you can go spend it at a corporation that completely violates the Montana Constitution. But it's been around so long, everyone just kind of goes like, "Well, yeah, I mean, you can't do school choice because then it would you'd be able to unaccountably spend your money." But we can, we will subsidize you in all these other ways because they've been around a long time. Therefore, they're good. They're fine. They they don't violate the Constitution. I see. I see. Yeah, I, I was just make sure I'm I'm tracking you there. That violates the, like SNAP, for example, violates the Montana Constitution because you're limited in the places where you can spend SNAP money. No, no, it violates it because the government is supposed to own It goes through the state. You're not not allowed to give tax dollars to anybody unless the government completely owns it. Because the state gives the money to them. Right. It would be like you could you could get a voucher to then go shop at the state-owned grocery store. I see. But I you, see. that that would be compliant as I, I as I read the Constitution, but it, it isn't that. There's, and if I remember right, too, there's actually like a, you, you can only sue within the first five years of something happening with that program as well. Interesting. Yeah. It, stat, it's in the Montana Constitution. A statute of limitations to constitutional breach. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Like, that's, well, that's we've been doing Montana this for 10 years. <laughs> it's in the, like, fuck the Constitution. Good enough. <laughs> Good well, enough. Who needs a Constitution? <laughs> Who needs laws? I'll change them. You know what I mean? I don't like it enough. So pa- the meaning pause, crisis. Pause for the cause. Uh-oh. There you go. Just didn't want to. Ad break. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zesty Beverages. They're on a mission to unf*** the standard American diet by crafting drinks with fewer calories and more nutrients from real food. Their lineup of delicious offerings now includes Electric Peak Yerba Mate, postbiotic sodas, keto-friendly, ready-to-drink margaritas, and hard teas. Wondering what a postbiotic soda is? Well, head on over to ZestyBev.com to learn more and find a retailer near you. Once again, check them out online at ZestyBev.com. That's Z-E-S-T-Y-B-E-V.com. So the meaning crisis, you mentioned that earlier. Oh, what is yeah. That? What is that? Oh, it's the greatest thread of our time. Do we not? Do we not think this way? Like I do. Yeah. How? Like It's not just what's true. That's already a problem. But like what? Like you can't even like... Like go back to the characteristics thing that may or may not have been recorded. Like we drew these lines around these categories. We call it, we named the category. Well, then that kind of shifts through time. You know what I mean? Like example, like the, well, I don't want to go back to the gender thing, but similar things. Like let's pick something like what is, what is war mean? 
Like what's a constitutional war versus an unconstitutional war? That is versus, clearly morphed. Versus a kinetic engagement. Kinetic engagement, right. <laughs> we, can, we, can, Other, we can splice and dice yeah. that a lot of ways. No, advisors, right. training advisors, you know what I mean? For 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, what's the big deal? You know what I mean? So what was your point? So like that word breaks down, like we say war, but then there's there's a million ways to break that down and yeah, get you, around the potential yeah. legal implications. Because what does it mean? Like, well, we don't really know what it means. What did they mean when they wrote it? What did they, you know what I mean? Like you get... And I don't think like in like postmodern thought and like there's no truth. I don't like that. I'm not that kind of guy. Mm. Um, but I definitely think of the well. There's when people write like they there's a, every story has got a storyteller. Like that person is writing or perceiving in something, and they're going to write it. They might synthesize what other people say. But at the end of the day, you are coming from a perspective. Again, like you're, there's more than just you're not just by yourself. Like this the idea doesn't live alone. It lives. You know how it, like it, it may have been generated from this person, and then it goes through, you know, whatever space you want to call community as we chop and get it up, and then it gets inserted into your brain later. Somebody who never even heard about it, like this is what it means that a constitutional war is. So there's some pockets like this. They might have that distinction, but they go talk to their local friend, and they have a completely different distinction. You know what I mean? So like all these different. Um, I guess little cultures that crafted some on the internet, some without it. Like you just can't, you almost like can't talk to each other. Mm. Right. You have this ability where you're not, you don't mean the same things. So that's one, that's one part of it. And then to get to the postmodern really disaster, in my opinion, where no, there is no truth, only a will to power, straight Nietzsche or something. Right. Like, Oh, like there is no such thing as truth. So it's my truth. It's your truth. My truth is I'm, you know, a dolphin. Right. Right, you're like South Park. Are you making a South Park reference right now? <laughs> I wish I was. I forgot what they used. <laughs> it's a dolphin. Yeah, it's it? like there's no dolphin bathrooms in here. It's like, 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 well, I identify as the person who can determine yeah. if you're a dolphin and you're yeah. not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so you can just play these games all all over the place. So right. I think that that goes to the meaning crisis a little bit. Is we're having a less of ability to have a coherent ability even speak to each other, right. let alone have these bedrock concepts like what's a constitutional war, mm-hmm. or when can I violate the constitution which you're supposed to be never but yeah. like why can you violate the constitution and go like this is okay kinetic engagement's okay yeah but you know invasion no don't use the i word yeah i mean we're training advisors we didn't invade we are advising how they should invade that's all <laughs> you know how they should conduct their <laughs> civil war right, right exactly so right. that's what i mean like you have this issue and then how like the the word anarcho-tyranny floats out and that's like that's how i think i would say it too like then there's then there's no standard because the standards are all over the place Mm. so like somebody breaks a law like it used to be well this is the context of the law this is the this is what it means when it means it but now it's like well you're like who's that person well, the standard is what the authorities tell you. Well, that's what I mean we got to that we got to that moment idea right it's like because there's no common standard that we're currently operating on then it's like well I got to go to whoever has the most authority in the space to let me know what, sure. how to think about it. Correct. Yeah. And I think you do with this in like, even some, like business land, like you can see, like this is, this is common. This has been happening forever, but you, uh, hopefully it gets to the point. Like, like I have a contract with this guy and there's a deliverable due and it's supposed to look like this. Mm. And he's like, it's not there. We're like that didn't happen. I'm like, no, that totally happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you totally owe me money. Like, I don't owe you money. Like, but yeah, you do. Right. So you, you take that small thing, but then you scale that thing on these huge levels. Right. Right. Where you fundamentally don't even agree on reality itself. And then it definitely seems like there's a lot of different factions and camps going on. But that's what I mean by the meaning crisis. It's almost like 
you know, not to go biblical, but the Tower of Babel, like everything collapses and then nobody can talk to each other. That's the story there. Like, oh, we all were this one unified, you know, em- empire of Babylon or whatever. And then it falls apart and then they all get different language. They can't speak. Hmm. Like there's more to that story. I'm not going to go there. Go ask your local priest. But like, as far as like the, the commonality of it, it's like, I definitely feel like it's getting tougher to even just communicate because communication goes a little different ways. I always get weird out people looking at me, but like the, uh, the way it works, right? You get, you, you're going to, you have a concept and you're going to encode it in the language you were trained to use, right? Mm-hmm. So you're encoding the concept. You already have noise that could be getting in there, mm-hmm. right? This is what I think an unconstitutional war is. And now I'm going to say that word, mm. right? Unconstitutional words about come out my mouth. And then you have the whole median, whether it's this podcast or me or, you know, sound waves coming to you. Right. And then I have to hear it. I have to hear it clear. First off, that's the noise in the mm-hmm. median itself. Yeah. Like somebody could be shutting their door right now and they just missed everything. <laughs> right. So right. now I'm going to completely not hear all the context of what's going on. And that's mm-hmm. going to change how I decode what you just said. Mm-hmm. Right. And then how I understand the concept. Mm-hmm. Right. So we just have these people that can't even communicate concepts to each other. Right. They don't agree on the truth. We don't agree on all kinds of things. Right. And that's, that, that is both like, it's a problem. I see what you're saying. It's a problem, but it's also an asset, right? Because then it allows us to have one. We've always had that, right? We just had interesting conversations within a more narrow bandwidth, but the bandwidth mm-hmm. has expanded. Right. Yep. So you can get, you can get people who have super, found their super niche community online and now they're super specialized in that space and then when they talk to them about that nerdy thing that they're into they sound like an alien right you could talk to me and kyle about D and all of a sudden you know we're aliens right you play D. oh yeah loves oh, it, yeah. Loves it. <laughs> <laughs> can i can i uh try to clarify something here because i think i might have been miss decoding what you were saying by oh. meaning crisis yeah are you speaking about the meaning of words or a person's meaning as in their purpose well in even life? like in, no 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 yeah so <laughs> Because I, because I can see yeah. the, the associations with how yeah. one could affect the other, but I, I'd like to just hear. Yeah, definitely. Like I was not referring to the meaning of life, although that's certainly a different crisis. So back to the well, whole a, language problem, right? Yeah. yeah a a the, common meaning of life, right? So a like, common narrative, a common truth, a common standard, yeah. a common way we can communicate and understand ideas. Gotcha. Right. If I'm hearing right, you're just saying like the language is kind of sub to that, right? So the language barrier is first. And then on top of that sits the common story of us, right? Because right. we can't have a common story because we can't talk to each other, exactly. both because of like the political culture and the way that we deal with conflict as a country. Uh, a lot of people probably listened to the whole trans talk at the very beginning and went, not my podcast. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because that we, part we, is we might have said the trigger. That's you know? going to be our first uh, paywalled content. <laughs> really? <on vocals. laughs> no, I was just, I was just <laughs> daydreaming about yeah. that earlier. <laughs> well, <laughs> might be too spicy for YouTube, so maybe we'll put that. Well, well what I was saying about else. like the 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 fundamentalness, since we're going to go back to just touch, but like the, those, like some things are fundamental that you receive and we put a language on it. Mm. You know what I mean? We name that thing. Like that's part of what we do to create the order out of the chaos that is the perception we have. Like, yeah, there's a lot of photons coming out of it. That's a lamp. That's a camera looking right at me. That's mm-hmm. David, who I feel bad about your shoulder. <laughs> That's Joe, who I appreciate keeping us on track. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> you know I mean? So, like, you, you, you can name these things and you see those things. Um, so, when people get asked those fundamental questions, like the Supreme Court, right? Mm. Hilarious answer, right? But I also feel I have empathy because, like, what are you supposed to answer to that? Right. You're supposed to do a laundry list of of components yeah, because it's a holistic thing. You know what I mean? When you say the Supreme Court, you mean like the asking the Supreme Court justice, what is a woman? Yeah. And she said, I'm not a biologist. Well, as a biologist, I will tell you. (laughs) Uh, 
Hot take alerts. Incoming. <laughs> Incoming. That, uh, Turn off the YouTube live stream now. <laughs> you might have overcomplicated this issue. Very, very political way to say that. It might have been overcomplicated. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like your way of thinking about it, Adam, because there's, you know, to me, it's going to sound corny, but diversity and tolerance are, 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 are both assets and liabilities, right? So they're assets to the degree that we have tolerance when we disagree and we are able to suss out um, where those disagreements come from and how we disagree and learn from one another and, and exercise openness. And then they're, they're, they're also a liability when we use our disagreements and use the things that we can't speak commonly on and we kind of get tribalized and religiousized into them. Yeah, I, I, that's not a word, religiousized. But I, I, I like where you're going. Pushes my way into it yeah. to the point where we're fighting in the streets over, yeah, you know, legislation or over all these kind of things. Well, take example of public school when I grew up. Not to hammer on public school; it's gone off the rails. Probably was off the rails before. But I was literally taught as truth that George Washington chopped this cherry tree down, <laughs> and he refused to tell a lie to his parents, or something like that, and that made him <laughs> an American saint, and therefore. You must love America because they have saints like George Washington as their founders. And then you go to like now, let's go to, you know, any kind of like indigenous like movement take. They'd be like, not only did you genocide us all, right? You stuck us on. So I mean, what I'm saying is you got narratives that are different. Yeah. Like you go back, you can read like revision, like people call it revision history. And they call it that because the narrative they were told that's being taught in institutions, like the other sides of it might not have done. So like taking the Spanish Inquisition, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You can find a lot of arguments for said Spanish Inquisition based off of the behavior of who was inquisited. Like, again, it's all awful. Like, mm. nobody, like, bloodshed is terrible to me. Like, I hate bloodshed, not like it. Nobody should die ever, but that's not where we live, and they are going to, and people are awful sometimes, and they can be taken care of. But, like, that that whole thing, you only heard, well, Catholic priests are murdering all these people who refuse to be Christian. Like, okay, first off, the Catholic priest didn't do a damn thing. It was the state. So everybody forgets that immediately. Like, no, the crown did that Hmm. through its stuff. No priest took a thing and burned someone. That did not happen. Like, that's not how they operate. Because that's, and if they did, they would have been excommunicated because that's just something they don't do. Hmm. Right? Priests don't shed blood. That's just part of the story. At least the Catholic priests at the time. I don't even think they're allowed to be surgeons. Somebody can look that up. Hmm. Like they're not allowed to be surgeons. So it's just like the the whole story already. It's like, well, it's the Catholic Church's fault. So yeah. now it's a nice box, and we all know we hate the Catholic Church. Did you remember the boy thing? Right? You know, remember that thing? Like, so you just yeah. they draw that narrative. You put that all, you and just, that you can kind of make the category, and you fill it with things that are a narrative. Right? They're right. not necessarily true. They might have elements of truth to it. They might be manipulations, intentional or unintentional. But they all support that particular worldview of sure. that particular institution. Right. And to credit, lot of credit stability, and that's no one like right, wrong, or different. Like that narrative held for a long, and still holds in the West a long way. But as you find out that there's actually other sides to the story, again, other side of the American founding story, other side of whatever, then like everything starts to break down as far as like we built this logic and laws off of these stories. Mm. And now we learned or we now believe in a different story. You know what I mean? So now I think it's unique to the internet because we have so many different avenues, so many different things to share. And I can learn, like someone can translate a nep- like a Buddhist monk in Nepal and has his thoughts about something in English. He probably got that. That's another thing. Translation might be wrong and that's a whole different rabbit hole. Right. But he might be able to, I might be able to read it. I can read this. Yeah. Where good luck doing that. 30 years ago. Who could do right. that? Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think we're uniquely experiencing this 
kind of our version of a meaning crisis. I think there's been others. I mean, right. I think World War II is a giant example of a giant meaning crisis where what you're doing is so immoral, I'm going to shoot artillery at you until you stop doing it. Hmm. And vice versa. It's right. not like they didn't, you know, you go like Nazi communists, for example, like they had each other's throats for a while there before they kicked it off, right? Right. So, so the, uh, what, what is the solution though? I mean, I mean, as far as like, the, it looks like the range of solutions I can see is like communitarianism, right? Where we're saying everyone needs to break down into smaller communities so that we can have a common language and a common set of meanings, and that will help fill in this this crisis that people are having. Or uh, there's kind of like the individualist kind of argument, which is like we're just gonna we just gotta you know just keep a, keep our hands off and let it evolve and see where we go, and just make sure that you know we avoid harm. And then like the other one is like we need to burn down all these institutions because our new story is that these institutions are all evil, right? <laughs> you know, and like th- that's. I would guess that's three broad categories. I'm just going to dump them in there, but they're probably not totally accurate. What do you think? I mean, what is the what is the best way to to navigate that world? Ooh, well, or I'm, solve. Um, I will definitely mess up if I uh, declare something's the best. But how I guess I tell how I think about it. How I think about it. I'll take some things with my psycho psychologist friends. I I bad mouthed earlier. It's it's a real science. I promise. <laughs> so like they have like the concept of Dunbar's number. Like you guys familiar with that? Yeah. yeah. You can you can hold about 150 personalities for lack of a better word in your, like your memory recall. Mm. So I can know 150 people like that's Joe. He does the podcast with David. David is married to Jessica. I'm going to stop saying things. I forgot (laughs) this is live and and other things. You know what I mean? So like, this is like, I can hold those, that knowledge about somebody, but I, but not forever. Like I'll run out at 150. And so like the fact that we have so much, info bombarding your mind for lack of a better description it's very difficult to to like that that number shifts around so i lose like if i pay attention to other people speaking of back of their attention if i'm going to pay attention to my family for a while because i need to do some things i'm going to lose out on all these things that other people did like i'm just going to lose that stuff like that's the problem with the attention component you only have so much like there's all like time is linear i can only focus on one thing intensely at a time i know you can you know, be driving and listen to this awesome podcast. But besides those minor things, you still only have so much bandwidth, mm. for lack of a better word, to receive the signals from. And now we got so many, it's not just a noise problem. I think it's more of like bro, like independent signals that you're talking about. Like this is this is our community. We could all live this way. We would all agree. Like covenant community, stuff like that. Like that's one angle to it. That's what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we got these communities or we got individuals. Like, you know what? We have, nobody could communalize and, and do this right. So let's just see what happens. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Or and, I'm going to find my own community. I'm going to yeah. find it where yeah, I'm yeah. at and and I'm not and I'm not going to we're not going to have to live close to one another. And we're not even going to agree on most things, but I'm going to find people I value with, tribalize around that. That's that's every friend group you probably have. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I think this goes to another point of like you, you said the religious size. Mm-hmm. And I I like it cuz somebody like me will say something bold and be like you can't not have a religion. Like you can pretend you don't. But something's sitting on your mantle. Something is something that's characterizing the rest contextualizing the rest of your thoughts your morality is derived from what mm. right what your what your value hierarchy is basically right mm. and so that value hierarchy if i said it that way you could take that model of a value hierarchy and you could put it on every religion right because they all have theirs and they have, they have different ones as well usually when war happens especially over time like you're you're doing something that is so horrific to me like take the spanish conquistadors which you also learned are the worst people in the world but the people that they conquistadored 
were child sacrificing people and the tribes that were next to them wanted them to you know what i mean yeah. so like it's not as clean as you like oh this nice oh, little the, box story yeah that's what i mean like now you get a lot more ability to see the unclean and it's kind of hard to understand what actually did happen right, right? and it's, 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 one of the things is that every time you bring up a revision right or a vision of a narrative it's my personality i go yeah you know, like <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, my response to that is always like, that's interesting. That's fascinating. You know, like there's, yeah. there's another side to the story. There's, we're, we're told there's always two sides to a story. There's always, you know, the winner make, writes the history and that real, you know, history is this more complex and nuanced thing. Um, we're going to have a quasi historian, a history teacher, a quasi historian, not the right word, <laughs> a history teacher on, uh, here soon, uh, to talk about that too. But, you know, each one of those things seems like a good thing, but we're kind of talking about it at the same time, like it's a bad thing because we can't have a common dialectic. Well, I think a part of it is the history like got, got um, pitched as like a scientific adventure and that's just not what it can be. Cause anybody like example, they got, they got this podcast and that's going to be history maybe until the server gets deleted. <laughs> right. And then there's no evidence. So he's like, Oh, there's no evidence of your podcast that you did. Like, well, like the last one. Yeah. Like it might be deleted. Like, <laughs> how do I know you went in there? You know what I mean? So like you just don't, totally. you have this evidence-based only logic, which again, makes a lot of sense from the enlightenment values we had. Mm -hmm. I say had because we we're certainly post enlightenment, but like the, <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> we are post enlightenment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right. But they tried, so they, they wanted to go about it in that way. Right. Right. And that was, you know, that's the 18th century German philosophy, which again, like that, that, that was great for when it worked. But now, especially now with the internet and all the different abilities to get messages out, like you got a connected global system now with info, which you, you had, it's just slower, but now it's like hyper fast. Well, yeah. I mean, I would argue that isn't that, isn't that the enlightenment though, right? So like, it's just in a different expression of the same thing, right? What we're talking about is a bit, people's ability to look at the same phenomena, mm -hmm. test against it, and mm -hmm. then come up with different conclusions and then suss that out using other enlightenment institutions like free speech and science. And well, I don't disagree with that's yeah. the enlightenment. What I say, yeah. When I say post-enlightenment, I say the power resides in people who don't think that way anymore. So that's mm -hmm. why I would say post-enlightenment because, mm -hmm. yes, there's still enlightenment-based principles. Like, like I have also, I'm not a very big fan of some of the enlightenment stuff, but I still agree there's an objective truth out there to reference. Yeah. Right. Cause how do you rationalize without an objective truth reference? Well, they, like yeah. how are you reasoning without two different things? Right. How are you coming up with that stuff? But when it comes to like, like some things you can met, like the measurement of things, like say I'm measuring the brain, like I can get this biomarker, but it's not indicative of the entire yeah. cognitive process. So I'm going to miss a lot. Sure. And so there's more things like there's a lot more unmeasured than measured. Mm -hmm. And especially in something like history, like if you're only going to go off of like, oh, like it has to have been written down and it has to be whatever. Well, the farther back you go, the more fucking yeah. noisy that is or more confusing that is. Right. And then again, like what sources hold value? Like this source is so value, like the New York Times is the value. Right. Because they will get the story right. It just happens to be two years later and they can point to it. Because even the 30s, they were not that angry about Hitler, if I remember my New York Times hilarity, oh, right? Definitely not Time right. Magazine, right? Right. Yeah, he was person, person of the year at Time. Right. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, oh, we're not going to, we'll recognize the awful or we'll get the story right. It's just going to be after we've done our propaganda purpose. Yeah. You know so what I mean? I would, quick distinction, and we're getting really nerdy here, but uh, the between the Enlightenment, empiricism, and rationalism, mm. right? So in the Enlightenment is a whole set of values that are like the state should be separate from church um to free speech to free markets to like a whole bunch of institutions that are kind of all wrapped into the the enlightenment enlightenment yeah. values what it seems like to me what you're talking about is the empiricism has limits 
right? Yeah. And so you need rationalism on some level. Rationalism is is the easiest way is Descartes, right? I think, therefore, I am. I'm going to start I would, with which I would dispute, but continue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that there is that you strip down to first principles and then build your build yeah. your worldview up from those principles, which I think you're actually agreeing with, right? You're saying that there are certain things that are sub language that I have to operate on, and then reference to you know from other people's uh, giving me my identity or from my values from my community. These each of these things are are prior to. Mm-hmm. evidence right these have to these have to exist in order for me to even observe evidence well, yeah you can't measure anything unless it's named that's one right. issue right right and so that a lot of times there's again when you go to the soft sciences for lack of a better word um very soft ouch super soft super soft yeah, most, most of them are soft too not a lot of chad <laughs> social scientists hey, that's a i'm a political scientist over here ouch bro <laughs> I mean, you consider like, sorry, there's, there's, I said not very many. Did I say zero? Did I say zero? Has anybody got a recording? Ouch. About zero? I'll, I'll, check, the, me I'll out. check the record. He's calling me out. Not very many. So you're in the top 1%. You're the 1% of Chattistan soft scientists. I, I don't think I've ever called myself a political scientist. I didn't even purpose. heard that come out your mouth until yeah, like right I, now when you got offended. It's technically a degree I have, but yeah. You're very offended by my soft... <laughs> People are soft in soft science. There's not a lot of chat. It's the softness more than the soft science. <laughs> That's what they're called. <laughs> by us. Yeah. By, by, <laughs> by the hard science people. We measure yeah. neurons. Yeah, Get out of here. Look at me. Look at me. I'm <laughs> uh, measuring electricity. That's pretty real. Yeah. You're measuring bad feelings. How's that? Oh, What's a bad feeling? <laughs> Explain that to me. I know what electricity is. <laughs> Wow, we went off the rails. Sorry. Sorry. That, that, that's going to be a great clip. <laughs> really is. Really is. Yeah. I'm sitting Smart. over here as the marketer like, yeah, just leave me out of this. Yeah. this <laughs> what was the question? No, I know your question is. Oh, so to me, like, yeah. the, I think what you're getting at. I'm trying to put ahead. you in categories. So will okay. you operate with my categories for a minute so sure. I can understand you? I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that came up way more harsh than I meant it to. I just yeah, I'll fit in a box. Yeah, no problem. I'm like, yeah, what box do you want to be in? Three different categories. Well, so to like, we'll go Aristotle because I know you're a philosopher too, right? Yeah, there yeah. you go. So what Aristotle like? He described it as like there's episteme where you can just demonstrate the thing. That's that's where hard science definitely lives. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I poke this thing, it's gonna move. See, poke, move, animal. Right? Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can then you can base stuff off of that, and then you have the doxa component. Like, I can't reproduce this as more of an opinion, and that's usually like a higher scale thing. Like, we can measure the material, sure, but how they all fit together in that web of relationships kind of tends to be a doxa part, hmm. right? So that's where I would separate those two. Where I think a lot of people we define doxa one more time. It's like opinion. Doesn't yeah. mean you can't have a right opinion. Yeah. Like. Like, how do I say it this way? Like, if you take a look at a thing, a bunch of data, which have nice visuals, but I don't. Like, think of a scatter, like a shot, like you shot a shotgun against mm-hmm. a, a door. So you got all these different points. Let's say that's your data, right? Well, the story you write through the data, that line that you see in the, all the papers, like that's, that's a story. That's mm-hmm. like how that like I'm contextualizing the data. I'm telling you what the data says, right? So that's right. usually a higher level. Like, I'm no, I'm never, I never dispute data per se. I might dispute how it's collected. And then the lines they draw through it, that's their story. That's a narrative mm-hmm. about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that narrative component to it, like based off of that, that data, this might be the most reasonable curve fit, like fit of this model. Let's we'll use model language. Like, oh, this is the best model fit based off of the data I measured, right? And then because it looks like this, based off of other loose concepts, I can say that, oh, it relates to other things this way, this way. But once you get to that spot, 
That's the opinion piece mm. of what's going on. So you have like, oh, I collected this data. This was my methods, right? So I'm doing episteme. This is the methods. If you do this, you're going to get this kind of data set. And so that data set might be very scattered, not very tight, right? It mm -hmm. might be complete. And so that, when you get data like that, I mean, good luck. Yeah. You're just but, saying there's but no they correlation. Have, but they have to. Yeah. Like that's like how the fields work. You have to say something, right? It was part of the issue, right? Um, and so when you're talking about the alignment piece, like I think people did that, that effort of like, we can measure an episteme more things than they could. Mm. And then when they turn out, they couldn't reproduce them. Like again, my psychologist friends, like 50% or more unreproducible, right? Unreproducible stuff. Mm -hmm. So that, that, I mean, that's the, you just see that in action, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can draw multiple lines through the data. Like, oh, it turns out you can do a model where there's actually four lines and they go like this. And mm -hmm. this is why, again, like you have that, that way to talk about things, mm -hmm. Right. But at the end of the day, the, the how it fits into the whole like cosmology of you like that, the kind of has to go to Doxa because you just don't have the information to demonstrate it over right. and over and over. Right. I hope that made sense. It got complicated, but I like it. That's right. right. If you reference Aristotle and Plato in a podcast, three million downloads. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. Right. True. Right? Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I, that, and, that's why I've been trying to insert Plato into our podcast lately. I think you're right. And call David Soft. A, I didn't even try. I didn't even try. This guy, well, this guy beats me up in the mat. I'm like, yeah, you're soft as shit. You soft. That's scientist. not the current record, my friend. You have you're up on me. That's for sure. Well, injuries do count, so I'm gonna take it. In real life, you'd just be dead. <laughs> Adam, we went so far into this mm. without really knowing who the heck you are. Can you give us like the top level view of uh, what, who you yeah. are, what you are, what you do, uh, what you're passionate about? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so I'm Adam Thune. Uh, I've been living here in Montana since about 2016. Uh, before that, I was in the Army. So I retired Army. I did some work uh, with conventional operations, uh, did a deployment with them. Then I moved over to special operations and discipline called civil affairs, did deployment with them. There's another couple non-combat deployments. Uh, back went to hell. Knees went to hell. Army said, you're done. I said, I can be done. That sounds great. And then I went and got a uh, neuroscience PhD from Montana State. Finished with that. And then, you know, I like the community we live in a lot. Turns out there's not a lot of, well, they shut down the department. So that was really a problem. So future, future opportunities in neuroscience, although that might change. Um, for now, what I've been doing the last two years is consulting with small businesses doing, um, the best way I can characterize it is I do a combination of like project management, data engineering, and just general consultation on like tech stuff. So example, I build like systems. Like, let's take the system. It's like, okay, there's data we can catch with this system. If we tweak it this way and it can talk to this system and we can get data like that. And then how do we use this to inform some of your decisions? Like, I really want to know X. It's like, okay, that's great. But we're going to need to do some work to actually get data that matters. So what's kind of nice about that whole trajectory is like in, in the special operations, civil affairs world, especially a lot of what you're trying to do is figure out how to even tell that what you're doing is working. Hmm. Right. Cause it's so, it's so like esoteric in a lot of ways. Like, oh, okay, I, we want to accomplish these objectives and we maybe want to put this project together and fund it with these people and doing this thing. But what is our, like, what is the real objective for the DOD? So this is like, the one-liners leverage civilian assets on the battlefield for DOD objectives. Like, okay, the DOD wants less violence here, which is always good. So if we employ people, hypothetically, right? So then people get, you can get concentrated on the jobs. Like, well, we employed 100 jobs, so therefore I did a good job, but there was a million murders. <laughs> like, so maybe you didn't do a good job because your job was to 
get less murders. You know what I mean? So it's also yeah. clarifying what data matters and what right. doesn't matter, mm -hmm. which is actually more of a military. I'd say they're better at that. That should scare people than the science world half the time. Like what data is where the fuck is in the science world? You kind of like you have to publish or you're going to go down. So you get down these experiment rounds and these, these rabbit hole investigation trains, like you're going to finish the work. And again, it's how you characterize it. So some people, that's where you get all these like fake data and all this pressure to do those kinds of things. And, and again, like what, what your question is and how you're measuring it is tells way more about your data than what you're actually getting out of as mm -hmm. far as like that story I was talking about earlier. Right. Mm -hmm. So the, so the military component was like, okay, what is, what is actually worth a shit to measure? And like, what, what is an effective measure and what is a measured performance? That's how we usually broke those down. So in that, that example I did, we employed a hundred people. That was our measure of performance. We're, we're performing. And that has the effect of what? Well, the murder rate went down. And then the other part about that is, and like, this is where the science comes a little bit more like, okay. So, cause the military will jump to a conclusion immediately. Like, well, that's because we got to kill somebody, right? Let's put a packet together and go raid. Like, so <laughs> they just can't wait to do that. That's just what they love. So like a raid is always the answer for the army, right? But there might be another reason the murder rate is going up or down. And so that like investigating that and like finding another, you know, place to uh, inquiry that. But as far as like, like in the last two years, like in helping out small businesses, Kind of, I, I use I like to use the word modernize a little bit. Like a lot of information technology is too fast for a lot of people. Like some of these businesses have been around for you know five, ten years, but the last you know five, ten years they've been you know strap hanging and, and getting it. They mm -hmm. survived COVID, right? They're still around, but now all this tech, there's AI, there's all this stuff. Like how do I use this stuff? I can't even I don't even understand how it works. I don't understand what I can use. Mm. And again, most most for most people, Excel is actually what you should stick with. <laughs> but if you get more advanced, like you can certainly, you know, you know, leverage data a little bit or at least see how you can build systems where you can build a little bit more evidence into your decisions instead of straight gut. But you know, guts are underrated sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, it's, you operate on gut, but you got to make decisions on you know, yeah. Somebody data. gave me a line once where they said, well, like, how did you come up with this course of action? And they're like, well, that's how we felt was good. He's like, oh, good. Well, if we're going to operate on gut feeling, it's going to be mine. So <laughs> next time, bring me data with your gut feeling. How would you define gut feeling? What is that? Physiologically? Oh, that's, cognitively. that's very meta. That's a very meta question. Well, I, yeah. Yeah. Your belief on what, what's, like what would be a good thing to do at that moment? Like if I do this action, I think it, I, like a gut feeling in the sense of like, oh, I should come in and do this podcast because it'd be really fun to do something. I have a good feeling about it, but what's my evidence about that? I got well, yeah, what, what yeah. backs it? I mean, a lot of people, I think you, you get this connotation that mm. gut feeling is this very like kind of just esoteric, like, well, I just felt like it. It's just out of nowhere. But, yeah. but you know, there are neurons all throughout the body. Are there sure. not through the heart and the digestive system? Like do those, are those neurons at work? when you're listening to your gut? Ooh, uh, that's a, that's a big, I'll, I'll crack the worm. I'll crack the can. Okay, of worms. let's go. All right, let's crack it. So uh, yes and no. All right, that's fun. So at the end of the day, yes, you are going to, like that signal is going to collapse into a motor function or like you're going to act. You're going to move, right? You're going to do something, right? You're going to talk, like whatever, right? Something's going to be the end. So you know there's an end state where that happens. So like you're, I am executing my gut feeling. Let's talk about the gut feeling. So you got all these sensory inputs, right? So the ones you already know, like you got your audio, you got your visual, you got touch and like the, the classics, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you're getting all this data for the now, right? So this is also part of your information stack that's coming in. I'm like, I'm looking at, I'm in this room and my gut feeling is I should do better about uh, 
explaining this. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so like, I'm getting all this information and I'm like registering in real time, but also there's a lot of subconscious, that's, that's the words they use. Subconscious is all, is another can of words we won't go into, but like a lot of the, that area where subconscious activity, like it's not what people would like to like nice, not neat, neat box. Like, Oh, my top, my cortex thinks and my croc brain just doesn't think. Yeah. But in reality, they're all they're all interconnected all over the place. But a lot of like gut biomes, like uh, gut biome uh, neurons, they all like all these things, all these body things will terminate at the brain stem, right? And those are interconnected throughout the cortex, right? So yes, they they are involved in some kind of information synthesizing way. But as far as like why we call it a gut feeling, that's I mean why why did the ancients call it a heart when they mean you know your whole body or something? Like people have come up with these things like body parts associated with things. Everybody even looked at Chinese medicine. They got, yeah. you know what I mean? But so there's you, a physiological reason, right? Cause like yeah. you're in that moment where you oh, got to act and you get that. Yeah. yeah. That feel that gut feeling like, Oh yeah. my stomach tightens up because yeah. I think that some of that's a, like, I think, um, it's logical. You're about to fight, right? It's like, yes, it's like a, my adrenaline got dumped in the system. Like I'm not that kind of right. biologist, but like, I would guess so. Like as you're acting like, Oh, this is, this is an intense situation. I've assessed this, this situation's intense. I'm about to act. Mm-hmm. right dump a bunch of hormones or whatever endocrine system going like we're tightened up we're ready right and then you're going to execute or when you're talking about a decision like i'm going to like i'm going to feel in my body that if i do this thing or you're about to do this thing i got it in my gut that you should just not do this you know what i mean mm-hmm. like so that I, it's a colloquial way to talk mm-hmm. but i definitely think it's experiential base again mm-hmm. that goes back to our first question like the language or first thing i like to talk about the language piece is always second to me like the like it's not fun like language isn't fundamental concept is hmm. right so that's how we're articulating like oh i feel in my gut right it's really just my body ready to go that's a quick book and answer right? i like I it know. yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> so we met uh from you reached out to me because you were doing some work with the libertarian party back then yeah and that's why we ago. met yeah po- i'm post-political now but we'll yeah. continue yeah. yeah so you were doing that <laughs> and then uh well i would like to talk about that so like yeah. we, we met because you were doing some stuff with the lp mm-hmm. and then uh i was you know doing i'm obviously always doing work in politics and so mm-hmm. i i was like hey you know i want to get some in what what the lp's got going on we met became good friends. Uh, obviously we, we, we got together at a Christmas party and I said, you should do jujitsu with me. And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So he became a training partner in jujitsu. Nice. And then, uh, but, but tell me like, you like, you kind of dropped out of the political thing other than obviously to, you know, defend the guard and now yeah. you're on a political podcast. So yeah. You're yeah. not out. You're not out. You're just, I know I'm modified. Just, I'm, I'm adjacent. <laughs> well, I don't know reason. if you can really be out of Paul. As it goes back to what I'm saying, like, I don't think you really separate those in your head. Like mm. I obviously care about what policies the community makes me adhere to mm-hmm. or ideas of what I think they should be. Mm. The question is, what do I do with that? Mm. What's my gut feeling about what to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they bring it back, but like, why did I leave yeah. or why did I drift away? Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is just thinking over like some of the things I talk about. If I if I said what I said probably five years ago, I'd be like, that's not like I don't know what, what do you mean enlightenment was something different. Like it's crazy. So yeah. I think some of that is part of it. Just like I don't, I'm not a really big fan of I guess the the idea of how do I say this poorly to really make you angry? <laughs> We're gonna jits it. Like <laughs> like the old way to call liberalism, like say, yeah. like I don't like what the fruits of it have been. And mm-hmm. I would I would say it's more causal than I think people don't want to register. And so I think a lot of people's like, well, these are definitely pathologies. So we need to remove them and get back to the basics. And hopefully that makes it work out. And I would say, well, uh, 
maybe that can happen, but this already happened, hmm. right? So it's like, it's tough for me to say, I know for sure that if this was the set of the environment, that these good fruits would come out of it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I guess I got to somewhere where I go more ancient in the sense of like, I'll use this as a standard for what truth is and assess the political things after that. I guess mm. I just put a different thing on my mantle, mm. if that makes any sense. No, that makes sense. In yeah. fact, Kyle agrees with you a lot. He's like grinning over there. Are that. you like post-libertarian? Like, <laughs> Are you one of these? I, I know, like pretty much yeah. everything that you've put as your framework of the way you think is very similar to how I oh. frame things with like data and narratives, kind of like this Nietzschean analysis of like the death of God and the meaning crisis. Like yeah, yeah. all those types of things are very much, yeah. And, and po- post-libertarian might be a way to describe that. I mean, that's what I phrase I've heard. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was a libertarian, and now I don't. Yeah, like, and, and I still. Do that. But I still was I ever a libertarian? I don't know what that yeah. means. I didn't well, I think, even vote think, for libertarian before, yeah. so I'm like, what does that mean? Well, I think. Okay, so to me, the test is very simple. Do you believe that there are situations where people can use force, morally use force against someone else that is non-defensive, and then do you make an exception for government and when? Uh, when they castrate children. Well, that and if you say that's that that <laughs> that's is what an I aggression say. or that, manipulation, that's me. <laughs> I think you can be a libertarian and believe that. Because <laughs> if if anything, you got to be like, for example, like I don't know, I think we record this part, but you're like some of those things in the trans space that you're particularly concerned about. You're not you're not necessarily want to go after people who, who have transitioned. You're more no, like there's no, manipulation going on. There's fraud going on. No, I consider on. them victims, and, yeah. and like not not to the point where I want to harp on that victim status. I mean, yeah. like I think that people need to go back to like. Ex- not just accepting who they were born, but understanding the beauty that was what they like. That right. as a thing is so great. But that's that's like yeah. that's like a liberal's point of view on that issue, right? Because you're saying you're well, so I you're can't fit in a box. Uh, yeah, exactly. You can make me fit in a box. Exactly. This guy wants me to fit in this box. No, I know. I, that's actually what I appreciate <laughs> about it. I, that uh, it's the non-boxness that makes me, especially in this space, because I, like you said, identity is very very hard. It's very emergent and it's hard to nail down. It's magic, yeah. right? So. Um, the uh, the true authenticity is the claim for that space and be able to recognize somebody as an individual and the dignity that comes with being an individual, right? Yeah. And you're saying there's there's something inherent there that you want to recognize while saying there's a manipulation here mm-hmm. that these doctors are doing that mm-hmm. could really harm somebody and there and then there's a just use of force there. I, I don't see what's incompatible with that. Well, I'm not I'm not saying it is. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Like I'm sure there's. <laughs> things we can get to i guess yeah. so to me i would yeah. like i'm gonna steal somebody's characterization of it that's fine i yeah. don't even know who it is maybe it's to or something like that but like you know at, depending on scale like so if we talk about the global system i'm an anarchist almost like, i don't want a global empire although mm. we got one and there's been there've been empires in the past like british yeah. empire before us or whatever spanish. french before them spanish yeah. so like that that behemoth has always been there in some way right rome before that right at yeah. different times. There's I, multipolar periods. Of yeah, course. Sure. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> mostly, mostly, mostly multipolar if you just consider East Asia because they just didn't engage. Yeah. Right. So right. I guess what I'm talking about is like there is that level where I would love mm-hmm. and, and I look at it like I want anarchy in that scale because mm. I don't want any, you know, small region, Britain Island running the whole place. That mm-hmm. doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. So you scale down to the, the federal level, like I may be a more of a libertarian at that federal level. I don't want the government to really dictate individually what people are going to do. I'm sure there's exceptions you can make for, like, I'm sure we can hypothesize those and talk about those. And then you go down one more 
They're like, oh, okay. So in my state, I want it to be more Republican. I want these different areas of the state, like especially say like Montana, there's just different areas of different resources, different cultures mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. inside Montana. Like it'd be great if they can have more Republican context to get down to my city, maybe more of a Democrat. I want, I want these things to go more of like, okay, I want this public works project to go. Yes, we're all going to pay for it. I don't care if you don't want to pay for it, Jerry. Like you're going to pay for it because you're going to use it. We all know you're going to use it. You know, I just want to opt out. I'm like, no, you're not, Jerry. You're going to flush your toilet like everybody else. You know what I mean? And they get to my house and I'm a communist. You know what I mean? Or I get to my street, I'm a socialist. My neighbors, I get to my house, I'm a communist. Or actually, I'm a dictator at that point. Like, I'm saying what's going to happen. Yeah. And this is what's going to happen. So I guess yeah. I would say yeah. it can scale. And I do think it matters on what the issue is. I think it's, sure. I think it's tough not to say that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that's how I would say it now. I don't, I don't know. The attribution there is Naval Ravikant. Is it Naval that's Ravikant? That's right. I would, yeah. I, would, I would wager I bet it's even before then. I mean, probably so, but yeah, that is... There's a I thing called... If I were going to really throw I think I saw it in like Principal Politica or something close to that, which is a nice little essay. You should read that essay. You might like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's awesome. Yellowstone Wolves in it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he references Yellowstone Wolves as far as like they'll they'll create their own territories. And they do. Oh, and they stay within oh, yep. them and yep. they kind of create yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. borders. So more of like, yeah, I I do think community is inherent. I think that's, that's like you're an individual in a community. And so I definitely have caution about elevating the individual attributes and concerns higher than community in a lot of cases. And I think depending on where that is, where we fight. What rubric what do you it, use to distinguish each from each? Like, let's say like, something like, when does the, when does the, uh, let me say that in less nerdy way Yeah, <laughs> for the audience. Uh, when, when, what, what standards do you use to determine when the community interest goes first versus when the individual is first? I mean, it's a good question. So I'll say, I'll answer with examples of that because this is what's happened. Like, like the jab issue, right? I'm a, I was a big, like, you don't, you don't, don't do this. Like, don't force me to take something. And for me at the time, it was like, well, I, like me and my own hubris, but I must, I'm so certain you are not certain about this. <laughs> I am so certain you do not know what the fuck you're talking about that I want to refrain, yeah. right? And the fact that you're willing to eliminate livelihoods for people and, and it gets to a certain level where they become statistics. Mm. Like when individuals become statistics like that, that bothers me. Now let's flip to the other issue that I seem to care about, which is the child castration thing. And I will call it that because that's what it is. But like that, I don't like. I think the community should step in and stop that stuff. I don't care if the individual parents want it. I don't care if this, because it's just, it's too destructive. Hmm. It's, it's a destructive way and it's, it's doing things that are not reversible. It's, it's sterilizing people. Hmm. And I just don't think we should do those things. Hmm. That's me. And that's more of my other mantle thing. Like, well, life is precious, right? We shouldn't remove these things you know, from people. And the same reason I don't like abortion. Like we shouldn't remove that life from things against the life, the potentiality of that life. Mm. Cause that life has a potential and you're just getting rid of all of it. Like mm. it's never going to manifest if you do this. And so that, those types of things, I'm like, well, you know, I don't like that. Yeah. So let me go King George. But if you try to stick a needle in my arm, fucking anarchist you know what i mean i'm not consistent i'm not trying to be consistent either it's just like that that was not a good rubric Mm. so i don't think i'd have a good standard if you really had me put me on the spot i'm like well i try to do my best to you know combine all my current zeitgeist issues and bounce it against my theology and try to come up with the best moral framework and advocate but i'm not i'm not a big i'm not a big activist i'm not really trying to change things i did go testify for defend the guard because i think i thought i was more suited to help in that way and yeah. maybe people want to say so maybe it's what i think i'm good at talking about but 
also I'm not, I got a lot of issues myself. I got to take care of my family. Yeah. You know, I got to focus on those sure, things. Hang sure. out with my friends, do the I, podcast. Yeah. I wasn't trying to set you up as like, uh, <laughs> tell me how to do it. You're a thought leader now, right? You're on the podcast. So, Oh, my yeah, thought leader. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, is, that a title? is there a cup? Do I have a cup? <laughs> Very influential. We'll put a title card next to it. It's, it's, it's actually a piece of flair. It's a, a flair. Yeah. It's flair. It's it goes on your clothing. <laughs> Oh, I have a name tag, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know. I, I, I appreciate that. One of the things that I, I find is I smart people in my life like yourself that mm. ha, that think different and, and approach things from a unique point of view. And a lot of times, most people are always in the place where they're trying to make it coherent with everything else they believe. And you, you have a coherence, right? You're just coherence is trying to negotiate between, you know, your, your political leanings and where you've been politically your your theology, your faith, mm-hmm. and like your community and what you're what, where you're actually at, your right. status in the world, right? And everyone's always trying to negotiate between these kind of dynamics and trying to sort out. Yeah, it's hard. How best to unify those those different parts? And it's hard. To, like these are meta questions, but they're important. Like when is war okay? Yeah, you know. And so, like in some cases, and I would argue the same. It's never okay. But at some point, you don't let them do what they're doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, they're going to come and they're going to kill every, like Genghis Khan. I'm going to come and kill every one of your children. I'm going to you know, make your women slaves, children mm-hmm. slaves, kill every one of your men, and you will never exist again, mm-hmm. right? And, and this is going to happen. Right. And so there's some morality in not shedding their blood, yeah. right? But there's also a lot of not morality in letting them do that, especially when you can stop it, yeah. right? So I just think it's damaging in both ways, just lesser to evil kind of mentality in that sure. point. Like this is not, this is not good to shed blood. We are not, this is not good. It's not worse. Like we're not, it's, it's inhuman to kill another human most of the time. Mm-hmm. There's usually pathologies to it, especially in modern day. People can look at that up all they want. There's plenty of people that are good examples of that. But you know, that doesn't mean there's not time to fight. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you fight, but you don't go looking for the fight. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very libertarian thing to say, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm ready to fight. I'm not going to go look for a fight. Right. I think it's also very Christian, right? It's very, yeah. very much like, you know, you, you might orientate yourself to be meek while actually still sharpening your sword, right? There's still like that component of you that yeah. is trying to seek a peaceful life to be a, a warrior in a garden. And then there's another part of you that sometimes has to go to war. Yeah, why is the right. serpent's gentle as doves, right? Like, I am going to sharpen my stick because I know what the serpents are up to, but I'm going to try not to use it. Yeah. But that mean I won't because mm-hmm. I'm not a dove or a serpent. I'm a human. Mm-hmm. And these guys are coming for our kids. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's just like, right. what the, like <laughs> we're going to do something about this, you know? So yeah. I don't I don't know. That's uh, not a very crisp answer, but that's that's close. I love it. Well, I, I think one way too, um, talking about the kind of are you a libertarian or not type of thing is like a lot of the general Rothbardian anarcho-capitalism thing. Like those are very useful moral frameworks to kind of have, but they're not like absolutes, right? Like they're right. useful to kind of ingratiate into your worldview, but they might not be like sometimes you sometimes you're not going to be sometimes the nap isn't necessarily always going to fulfill every need you need, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's definitely not going to tell you what to do. Right, well, it's going to tell you maybe what not to do in a in a in a very important range of phenomena. What's aggression? What's aggression? Am I aggressing on someone when I call them the wrong pronoun? Is that aggression? I think some people would say yes. Yeah, you yeah. know, what I mean? that's why it gets fuzzy. Like yeah. what, what? Like this is the meaning, Christ. Like what do you mean by that yeah. word? Well, we put micro in front of the wrong pronoun. That that micro oh, really? <laughs> very specifically <laughs> says whatever I'm saying after this is bullshit. Yeah, technically. So if I say no. What's another micro dash something? 
I, the only one I can come up with, I couldn't say on YouTube. So, yeah. well, the well, lexicon keeps changing. This is why right? it's going on locals. Well, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's like uh, Orwell said that we were going to kind of come into this uh, tyranny of meaningless words. Like, and that's what you're saying right now is like all the categories are confusing and yeah. they're, they're all different. None of us are par- participating in the same uh, definitions of things anymore. Yeah. And right. we all talk past each other because of it. Well, that's that's also like. That is not necessarily a new problem, right? There's always been lawyerism, right? There's always been legalism. There's always been people who've been parsing words in order to try to get their personal politics or power interests into an existing doctrine to change the doctrine, right? In my point of view, right, you what you want is both like the standard and a negotiate like a negotiation mechanism to suss out what a common belief is. Right. So for example, you might have a law and then you have an adversarial process to negotiate the law to see if it applies in an individual circumstance. That's the, that's the old liberal enlightenment um, way to think about how to negotiate out a truth, whether or not someone broke the law. The same thing on truth on the macro scale for free speech is that you have these different interests that are Mm -hmm. attempting to articulate the truth as clearly as possible, maybe using different language, maybe Mm -hmm. saying microaggression is the same as a punch in the face. Well, a lot of people are going to be like, "Mm," you know, like, you know, people are going to disagree. So there's that process of free speech. If everyone is motivated to get to the truth and not motivated by power, then you can arrive at at persuasion and, and, and larger trends kind of taking over and people being able to arrive at, um, something approaching, not a like absolute truth, but something that is operable as a truth that works for the yeah. social order because you've sussed out the alternatives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not. Well, I mean, like I think I said it to you earlier today, like the, the slightness of everything, mm. like when people put together the phrases, like let's take the, the dam in Russia because I know you guys like talking about foreign policy, right? Yeah. Like you get a guy who's like, there's no way, I think you remember what I'm talking about, there's no way artillery can blow up a dam. I'm like, <laughs> The fuck there's not. I could blow it up right now. Somebody give me a triple seven. I'll put that sucker sideways. I'll blow a fucking hole so big through that thing that you will feel stupid. But, and then let me add some things that sound logical after that. Like, therefore it has to be this thing. Has to be the Russians. Has to be the Russians. (laughs) Literally, literally, literally setting themselves up to destroy their own dam and territory they control in Ukraine so that they can then starve their own people. Right and flood their own controlled territory. It's like genius it makes battle zero sense genius. at all. Like, ten level, ten D chess. <laughs> but there's the other part of it. This is, I'll go devil's advocate real quick. Like it could have been the Russians did something they fucked up or something. Like yeah, that. maybe right. there was a sapper running. I'm just making shit up. But maybe right. there's a guy with a bomb, a bag of explosives, trips and falls, fuses too far together, explodes. Yeah. They're like, oh shit. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> like how do we get? But then this is like this. And this happened in Afghanistan too, where you had an incident go down, and then the info war is on. Like, how do we care? How do we contextualize this event? How do we draw the line through the data and then tell everybody the line story, which is usually what happens in science. That's what you're getting is the line. You don't get to see the data because it's very, you know, esoteric to some people and, you know, detail based. You don't get that. You get usually the story. Mm-hmm. Like the science says, right? You know, the favorite phrase, right? Yeah, the science right? says, the yeah. favorite. So or the, get, the, the experts at the Pentagon say. Well, that, yeah. I mean, that's this guy, this guy, this guy, again, like I'll bash him because I think it's bullshit. It's a straight propaganda piece. And I know the guy goes to Langley and makes speeches. And like, it's just clear that he's one-sided in this. Again, that's great. It really could have been the Russians. I'm not saying that's not possible. Obviously, it's possible. But it's definitely possible to blow up a damn yeah. artillery. Well, we also have no account. Yeah, we also have no account of how the Ukrainians did it. 
you know, is there is there existing artillery within range that they actually possess? Yeah, possess? All evidence we don't have, but the fact that the Pentagon so quickly leapt to it was the Russians, and in the middle one, you know, like is that yeah, the absurd part? That's the, the frustrating yeah. part, right? They all, they, yeah, they 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 arrange the story to fit their books. Yeah, I mean, people want to. They're they're bad. Yeah, they're the worst thing in the world, and. You know, they like they, one guy like Donald Trump once, so they should all die, right? <laughs> I mean, there are people that I mean, they wouldn't say that, but that's they act like that's what they believe. You know what I mean? Right. So I mean, yeah, it's it's difficult, but that's that slight of that little slight, like they just mm-hmm. could declare the absolute. Go back to the absolute. They declare the absolute that's fake, mm-hmm. and then rationalize against it. But they do it in such a and everything's like small. It's like what ten words mm-hmm. in a picture, mm-hmm. enough, right? You get how many people that subscribe to said person. See that for three seconds. They're busy with their lives. That's their little bit of attention for that moment. And now they're going to perceive the world through this standard. The Russians flooded their own people. That's how bad they are. So when negotiations come, you know, two years later, they get to say, well, they flooded their own people and they'll still believe it when they're trying to get this, even for the election in two years. Like right. There might be a narrative that comes or the fucking fake groups out of wherever, right? The, the Coraline thing I sent you too. Like yeah. these guys, they have pictures of two years ago that is protest. Right. And now there's new stories being written, opinion pieces, dokes of pieces for those that are not paying attention, dokes of pieces. And they use this footage as if it was actually ha- like it just happened. Like it becomes that's the info op. Let me create this. Maybe it's not fake. Maybe they convinced a bunch of idiots to do this, but they did it for this reason to get this photo, get these images, get these videos that I can now paint over other data. Right. right? And here's a great story. And let me paint this over this. You're kind of what you're kind of saying is that there isn't. It's, it's, it's an interesting point, right? Because it's not necessarily centralized. It's not like narrative control happens because there's some shadowy group saying this. Right. It's more like there's a set of interests and incentives that then shift our, our, our common, you know, lack of meaning or common language and a lack of, you know, accountability within the system to push everything in a singular direction to say, you know, hey, we have this article about this new story. Uh, we don't have any compelling imagery, so we're just going to take these pictures from two years ago, ham yeah. it onto there, and make it seem like that's what happened. To to you and me, obviously, it looks like a manipulation. To them, it's just well, we're just putting images together. Right? This, these are all relevant. Yeah, what's things. the big deal, <laughs> right? Uh, or that guy basically making his argument, yeah. you know, off off his keister, uh, you yeah. know, on on the on the dam. What standard is he actually using to make that point? It doesn't to him. It doesn't matter, right? Because the Russians have to be at fault because yep. they're the bad guys, right? So it fits his books previously, and everyone who's following him, it's already fixed their books. And the question is for the listeners: How do you navigate that world better? Listen to the Liberty that. Portal podcast. Is one way to do that, right? Isn't that why we're here? This guy's a great promoter. I like him. <laughs> Get in front of microphones and talk to your friends, <laughs> and hope that people listen to it. No, they will. Somebody will. That's um, a good question. How do you make? How do you make sense of that? How do you distinguish more? accurately you know fact from fiction i mean you want my no bullshit heuristics now if it comes from a screen i don't believe a damn thing it says unless it's my friend that i can verify as him and i think that's problem's going to get worse because it is we are already there where you can get a number it's not going to be your number yet but one day it will be where it's like david's calling and then voice comes in my ear hole that and then i do something right like oh okay oh yeah oh it's david and then it wasn't you at all it was some fucking thing trying to get me to do a thing and now they got the little, you know what I'm talking well, about? That's like that's fake, already happening. Like, yeah. Deepfakes, okay. All right. But deepfakes, it's already, it's like, already happening. No, no, but, but in, a deep, in a weaponized way where it's to the individual. Like you got my kid for two seconds on the iPad. Oh, it's already and now happened. I can, I know, it's already. It's just yeah. going to get worse. That's why I say yeah. if it comes from a screen, 
including this podcast, just be ready to meditate on it, ruminate on it a little bit. See if you can, you know, discern a little bit better. Not just, oh, let me quick, you know, if you get to the thinking fast, thinking slow. Anybody remember that book? Great book. Don't use your heuristic one. Mm -hmm. Do the heuristic two on purpose, right? But not everybody's got time for that too. So that's another problem. It's just that you're busy. Like attention is demanded everywhere. Right? right, all the time. You're just getting bombarded with stimulus all day. Right. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, uh, thinking fast is your quick heuristics, like your reactions, kind of like your your automatics. Yeah, you can fight. Right? Two plus two equals four. Right. Like uh, that sort of. Thing. But I say square root of ninety one, and you're like, ah, I got to get off a piece of paper. That's thinking slow. Right. Yeah. And it's like engaging that deeper part of the brain for thinking carefully or unpacking or trying to resist the quick models that allow you to think quickly. Right. So you have basically a quick model set that allow you to really quickly screw yep. something in, right? And get an idea across or, or, or act or conceptualize in the world. And then you have the other way, which is more like designing the machine uh, that makes you, that you can override those things. But what you want to do is make sure that your beliefs, maybe to put it, summarize what you're saying, make sure that your beliefs that you hold close to yourself are the things you've thought slow about. And the things that you're not so sure about, that you thought fast about, you kind of keep them at arm's length and allow them to, you know, you can think about them. You can keep them out there, but you want to make sure they're not the sort of things that you treat as the things that you believe in, right? You can play with it. You can entertain it. You can can have it be a thing you know without buying into a singular narrative about it unless you have a narrative that you've really thought through. So for me, the narrative I've really thought through, spent a lot of time on, my belief about self-ownership or individual rights or, yep. you know, spontaneous order processes or stuff like that. The economy, things like that, that I've, I've, I hold that one close, but then, you know, for me to like, to just kind of put a point on it, you know, like the trans issue stuff that we've been talking about or um, other sorts of issues, I kind of hold those out a little bit further. Cause I'm, I, I can't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of conviction about it because I want to think slowly about it. I haven't built it integrated sure. to where I'm like, okay, I, I, I have to, I don't want to operate on heuristics on it. Can I, I don't want to black pill but I will. Yeah. So Kahneman Traversky, they won like a Nobel Prize for behavioral economics, right? Prospect yeah. theory, which, you know, to quote some people I used to work with, that is a, not a falsifiable theory. So therefore it's garbage. But <laughs> I mean, it's pretty what good. What is this theory? I don't, I'm not prospect theory. You never heard of prospect theory? No, no. Basically, the for the th- listeners. For the <laughs> listeners. So prospect theory, real quick, that is terrible and you need to look it up yourself, yeah. is you will weigh things in a negative, like a negative outcome will weigh higher than a positive outcome. Does this make okay. sense? Yeah, you yeah, coming yeah. back to you? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. So then, so the other part of that book was they're really talking about the system one, system two, and system one can override system two, and system two can override system one. Mm-hmm. It's just not in the ways you might like. And they, like, I think Kahneman did an interview not that long ago. Somebody can look it up and, you know, maybe it's not real. But what I heard was, is that I heard this from, like, how can you stop this? Like, just like you're asking me, how should you stop? And he's like, I can't. Mm-hmm. That's it. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you work. Yeah. So know that <laughs> and right. try your best, I guess. But I think that's part of it. That's where we get into the whole meaning crisis, why it's so terrible, because we, I don't think we can reconstruct a narrative quickly now that the other one is broken down. And I think, you know, if an historian here, you can ask him next week, I guess, like, is that what pre, you know, is a pretext for war? Is that what happens? We can't talk. Now we have different value hierarchies. Now we're not even using, we're using English, but we're not using the right words, mm. right? So now we have this conflict brewing and it gets to the point where, no, 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 I think it's actually immoral not to, you know, give my kids these, if I say it steel man their way, gender affirm what they believe is cruel not to. And then the other side would be like, well, it's cruel to sterilize them before they're ready to make that decision. 
mm-hmm. right? And also cruel to the future to deprive that kind of life and its potentiality, right? Mm-hmm. So, and again, that's a more higher context. That's probably why I go past the thing. But like that, yeah. like that kind of thought process, like, oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's that, that's that's where you're gonna. And what I like about that too is that you're negotiating both sides in that. You're you're actually fairly stating your opposition while you're stating yours, and you're saying these are a conflict of value. And what we need to do in a conflict of value is decide what we think is true based upon our first principles that we hold close, we put up on the mantle, as you said, and then negotiate through that. And then that's how, when people honestly do that, is there more likely that you're going to get to an outcome where we can all agree? Where there's no shooting. Or at least there's enough enough agree. And I would say human history would say most of the time we end up in shooting, or at least a good deal amount. So hopefully we don't do that. But you can see how that happens. Well, political violence is on the rise. Like there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of policy about that right now. Um, about how much more political violence we've seen in the last five years versus the last 20 years before that. When you say that, like violence against the left from the right and vice versa? Yeah, all the way around. I mean, I, which way it goes, I'm not trying to talk about right now because I don't actually know, but I but I know that there's just like this politically motivated violence is increasing. Gotcha. Yeah, one, one thing, one question that came to mind as you guys were discussing this is like, what happens if you've already sort of internalized and integrated ideas that you had only considered through your fast thinking, mm. right? And, and and you've brought them too close and now they're a part of your worldview. They're maybe a part of your identity, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. but you didn't vet them. And now you're coming up against evidence from the world that's, that's, you know, contrary to your now internalized view of what is right. You know, you've got this cognitive dissonance. How do you, how do you overcome that safely in a sense that, you know, when someone's, deep down identity is challenged to a fundamental level. It can be, can it be like kind of dangerous? Like you you can kind of break a person if, if everything they believe to be true about a certain thing, they're then revealed is false. Like, isn't that sort of risky? Mm -hmm. And is there a safe way out of it? Well, yeah, I think the hard part is what replaces because they are going to believe something's true. Even if it's like nothing's true, like it's still believing something. It happens when you come in contact with something you can't deny, right? Right. And then you have to die, right? That part of you you has to die off, right? It's like a forest needs a fire to burn through and take care of all that dead wood and reinvigorate into something and regenerate. Elevate your understanding, if you will. Right. Not to die and elevate i'm not going to go any farther than that but if yeah. you but if your ideas <laughs> you can be religious on the podcast i'm no not going to, to. I'm, not, this, I'm not gonna do that this funny. i will say the edgiest stuff about the trans people but i'm not you can talk about religion stuff i'm not gonna do that i'm not, i shouldn't okay. do that all right okay. Okay. i shouldn't Fair do that enough. all right so i won't yes sir <laughs> but no i, I will though uh, so if you're it, it, I, well, I i'm think gonna keep the, ta- i'm gonna keep answering this question but i i just wouldn't go full theology i'm not yeah, gonna do that okay. i'm not a theologian but but <laughs> going into your cocoon like that statement of regeneration i've done this several times i mean there was a point in my life where i supported the war in iraq and afghanistan and all that kind of stuff i was a kid right who saw 9-11 happen on tv and and then you know i remember the I'm first gu- thing i'm guilty i'm guilty yeah, yeah right and having that moment where I'm talking with this guy and he's like, are you familiar with the CIA's actions in Iran and blowback? No, I have no idea about that. And then I had to go look at it and like I had, I'm reading it. I'm seeing this, this stuff and feeling completely embarrassed for, for what I, for what I believed in over time as, as I slowly let that fire burn away, a lot of things that were based on nationalism and jingoism and like this unthinking heuristic based tribal based 
way of thinking of the world and then replacing it with something that that is much more closer rea- you know seeing humanity as a whole and the potential that is of that we could have had because I didn't have the information to understand how much better the world could have been if the if these policies were different yeah well i mean so i i will i will defend heuristics because they're getting bashed on but i yeah. like heuristics especially like cultural heuristics that seem to hold you know what I mean? Because I think a lot of times the 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 zeitgeist or the time we live in will dictate a certain thing. Like there's a thing in, you know, literature and science about time time bias. Like yeah. I'm measuring this thing in this window and it tells me this thing. But if I had opened the window, it would not, okay, I would not right. have, exactly. Like we're going down a set up, you know what I mean? So, you know, heur- heuristics, you might not just be living in a time where they are effective, which is one reason to change them. So it's another fact, like maybe you have to change heuristics, but I'll go a lower level, like than foreign policy. This happens like, happens to me, like the, like, uh, like there'll be a business owner that says, oh, you know, these are my heuristics for my business. And like, you know, that, that worked in year one. I don't know if they should work in year five. You know what I mean? But mm. at the same time, like how you, from my angle, I want to change those heuristics because you're, in, you're, you're going to be less successful in my mind. So from the outside, I'm busy propagandizing this guy or whatever, right? But as far as like, if that's your guy, I just think you don't know. That's yeah. like, you're just unaware. And I think you have to cut yourself where like cognitive dissonance, when it's happening, you don't know what's happening. Hmm. It's only like after, like you said, you almost kind of die a little bit. Like my entire worldview just died. It's buried. But on, uh, after that, hopefully you get hmm. a better worldview. That's hmm. more, I get elevated to the truth. If you had to put the truth up there and you're getting a little bit better. That's what I meant by the Yeah truth being elevated yeah. which is straight scripture <laughs> <laughs> awesome what a great conversation got any more questions or are we oh, man, have only a million but you uh, know we don't probably have time I live for here. That. you guys can bring me back when, <laughs> when the, hopefully there's no technical does the battery still work every 10 episodes <laughs> everything's like a, good oh yeah. my goodness every 10 episodes and they go on locals so that people have to pay to see them and oh is there locals censored. well we're just getting it kicked yeah, off we're, oh, just, nice. we're just working it all out now yeah Fantastic. So part of it, part of this conversation will probably be our first, our trial run at uh, some paywall. I think content. you guys need to get demonetized. Else, how are you saying you're a real podcast without? Is that a badge it? of honor now? I think so. It's like red badge of courage, right? Like you need to get. <laughs> well, 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 we haven't been monetized, so yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's well, a good point. Yeah, get to there they first. Give us the money before they could take it oh, away. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, we're trying to get 